Welcome back to the TowerCast podcast, the towering podcast for the towering filmmaker of El Paso and the world. We are at the Las Cruces International Film Festival, and uh, man, it's it's been amazing. It's been amazing. And, and our special guests, you may have seen them in, the, in last year's episode. If you haven't, go go see that because we talk about his career no. and going to Sundance and doing all these amazing things in film, and he's still going at it. That's right. Um, so uh, I got introduced Mr. John Eric Castro. Hello. I'm the actor's perspective and asking the acting questions. Mr. Michael Alou. <laughs> I'm glad to be back for round too at Las Cruces Film Festival. <laughs> yeah. And I'm your humble film servant, Carlos La Torre. Thank you to Austin Young, making sure we're sounding good back there. Um, and we have the very awesome, the very inspiring, the very tired <laughs> Ross Marks. No, 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 well deserved. I'm ready, to go. So much, I'm ready to go. I'm getting my second win right now. Oh, yeah. Right. 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 Um, thank you so much for being on the podcast. Thank you so much for inviting us out again. It's always a blast and we get to talk to a lot of great people, not just the big wigs that you have and, and then the big names, but also independent filmmakers yeah. who are trying to do this just like us and, and love cinema and love to contribute to it. So, well, you know, that, that that's, that's the goal uh, for me, right. Is, is to celebrate independent film. And I was right. talking yeah. yesterday to uh, Giancarlo Esposito. We we're mm -hmm. talking and, and I said, you know, when did this screen the show? And mm -hmm. I said, when did this film come out? He says, well, it came out it didn't really have a festival run and it kind of got mm -hmm. lost in distribution. Mm -hmm. And then I was talking to, to Giancarlo's managers, a friend of mine, a guy named Josh Kesselman, okay. who had just finished a film with Billy Bob Thornton and, and Robin Wright. And I said, what happened to the film? He said, it got buried. It never got released. We didn't get into the festivals. And he said, the festivals have changed so much because mm -hmm. both Giancarlo and Josh and myself, we've been around a long time, been yeah. doing this, yeah. you know, 30 years. And festivals, the independent scene has changed for film festivals. When yeah, I started sure. in the 90s, Sundance was this great place mm -hmm. for independent was, filmmakers yes. where, you know, I had two films premiere there and I've been to Sundance three or four times now. But in the 90s, you would go there you wouldn't have a distributor who didn't have to have a big name yeah. actor and they would you know celebrate the independent of film and the same thing yeah. with with Tribeca and Telluride yeah. and South by and Toronto and now you can't get into those festivals unless you have a big name star and a distributor attached yeah, already so I saw the yeah. the landscape shifting for independent filmmakers where they didn't have a home anymore no yeah. And as a filmmaker myself, I was pretty pissed. I'm like, yeah, you know yeah, what? Yeah. These festivals are turning their back on who got them there, the indie filmmaker. Right. And so I said, you know, screw this. I'm going to start my own festival. Yeah. You know, yeah. But I don't think it's being done right. I'm going to do it myself. Yeah. You and know, so last we year, started this for, you know, for the independent filmmaker to come here, screen their film mm -hmm. in front of audiences that appreciate it yeah. and, you know, in a great facility. And and that's why we're doing it. So no, we, we appreciate that because yeah, uh, to, be, to be quite frank with you, Russ, last year, we had a few films of ours here at, at the Las Cruces International Film Festival. And that was great because, to be honest with you, leading up to that, every year we go through the cycle of the film festival politics are just not yeah, something we're interested in. It is in. political. We're it is just political. not interested yeah. in. So something to, like Las Cruces is refreshing to be like, yeah, all right, man, absolutely. we can have our indie films. And, and connect with people that are on the same boat mm -hmm. and then have people who are real industry, you know, uh, decision makers watch them yeah. ultimately. Right. Mm -hmm. So so it's it's very refreshing. And we, also, we're appreciative as yeah. indie filmmakers. And, and, and we, we try to do yeah, the, the, the trick is because we aren't Park City, because we aren't New York City, mm -hmm. because we aren't, well, you know, so we're yeah. in a market that wouldn't attract an audience organically to a film festival. Right. But so we're in New Mexico, which is, which is, which is a hotbed. Exactly. Right. right. It is a hotbed for people making films, but now it's, but we're really trying to go to people who are watching films. Right. So right. how do you get an audience yeah. to watch an independent film? Because audiences, they want to go see a Marvel movie. They want to <laughs> yeah. see Chris Pine. They want to see Ryan, Ga you know, so how do you get an audience? So I, yeah. what I've stumbled onto a formula that's been really successful 
successful that I don't know if it's being done at other places is we bring in special guests like a John Carlos Pizzito, you know, last year William H. Macy, we've had Brendan Fraser, yeah. mm-hmm. and the audiences come out and they're like, wow, cool, I want to see these people and interact with them. And they're like, hey, you know what? There's a film playing. As long as I'm here, I'm going to go in there. They come for the name, they stay for the film. Right, so it's it's really worked out well. And, you know, last year we had 10,000 people. This Mm. year we're looking like close to 13,000 people. So it's really become a a, a real festival. And and, Mm. uh, the attendance has been great. And the the quality of the films has gone way up. So it's been really rewarding. It's taken a lot of work to get here. Absolutely. Um, But it's it's And we have to give a shout out to your team and the students that you bring in to put this We're student run. We're, We're the largest film festival in the country run by a university in Mexico. State oh, wow. University. Wow. And they're so, on top of it. I've wow. been seeing everybody. I mean, you know, they're on their walkies, they're doing the call outs, they're making sure everybody gets into their theaters. And I think it all adds to the experience. And when people come in here, it, it has even, that elevation. Even we were a part yeah. of the muscle for Giancarlo yesterday, just yeah. <laughs> defending him against the crowds. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that was the other thing why, why I did this is when I was a young filmmaker, I went to the Sundance Film Festival and it changed my life mm-hmm. because yeah. there were people, there were filmmakers there, storytellers yeah. there who were just making movies, right? They didn't care how, what the budget was. They yeah. didn't care who the stars were. They didn't care who the distribu- distributor was. They were just yeah. making movies. And Sunday changed my life. And so as I started teaching film at New Mexico State, mm. I thought, how do I really teach filmmaking? Because the most formative moment for me was going to Sundance. I don't know that I can do a field trip and bring, <laughs> you know, hundreds of it'll cost a fortune to fly. Into, I said, you know, I'm going to have to try and do that here yeah. and do it. So that was First really time. the goal is I wanted to create a film festival for my students so that they could experience mm-hmm. the world of independent filmmaking firsthand, right. real world experience. And the both sides of the coin, right? Because you're also working on on feature films that mm-hmm. are, are independent here in, here in New Mexico. So. Um, that that's the production side of the coin and now the the exhibition yeah yeah well you know my my I, I have two goals in life one is I want to be a good father and a husband sure. and the second one is I want to grow film in southern New Mexico mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. how do I grow film in southern New Mexico why well, I can make movies here which I do yeah and that'll help it I can teach filmmakers how to make films here which I do and then the film festival is probably the biggest contribution I do because it's the mouthpiece for film in southern New Mexico mm-hmm. you know all over the state when people think about yeah. film in southern New Mexico they think about the Las Cruces International Film Festival. I, I love that you're touching on that because um, as most people know we're from El Paso right so um, but we're well, constantly. Well I consider El Paso yeah, well, part of southern yeah. New Mexico because 60% <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. of our film students mm-hmm. at New Mexico State at the Creative Media Institute 60% are from El Paso. And that's what I want to touch on is that it's been a very at least on the film festival side I mean we, we, we work with all the guys we're with Plaza Classic we're with El Paso Film Festival with Media Fest um, and, and naturally here the partnership with Las Cruces International um, everybody's very helpful of each yeah. other everybody promotes each other's festivals everybody's like hey let, what can we do for you how can we help support um, independent film at least in this region yeah, yeah. yeah. it is very know, Doug, Doug Pullen's a good friend with yeah. Plaza Classic and, and Carlos obviously now teaching with us and see my Carlos mm. Corral with the El Paso Film Festival so you know a, a rising tide lifts all boats right. yeah. so the yes. you know, more successful each one of us are the more successful the next one will be right, right. so I really um, you know I really enjoy and and uh, Chris Hannah with mm-hmm. with his film festival. So I think it's great. Like I, said, I consider El Paso part of 
southern New Mexico. And, right. and again, maybe it's you know Texas, much bigger state than New Mexico. <laughs> no, but we know. Uh, no, but naturally, yeah. I mean, but my, my yeah. students are, are mo- you know the majority are from El Paso. Yeah, right, you know, right, so right. I'm and, and I want to see them work. Right. You know, Alfonso Loy, you know Alfonso, mm-hmm. and you yeah. know him, and he's our technical director. We couldn't make this festival yeah. Yeah. without Alfonso. Um, you know, so we, you know, I was just with with Cape Tejada, mm-hmm. um, who's mm-hmm. from Juarez, yeah, right? Yeah, so I consider Juarez part of that. You know, so we're one big region. That's beautiful. It's and beautiful we're to a see. family because yeah. filmmakers, we got to watch out for each other yeah. and help each other. No, we really do. We really yes. do. And, yes. and we've seen that uh, on the first yeah. first kind of perspective, how, how we help each other out. And, and that's the goal, right? That's the point. So um, that's all inspiring. Now, what can you say about this year's film festival? What's been the consensus? What's been uh, the feedback from the guests, from the, the special guests, from the filmmakers, from the, the attendees? What, what what have you heard? Well, I, you know, it's really rewarding. Um, yesterday, when when talking to John Carlo and his manager Josh, they said, you know, this is just amazing. We've never been to a festival mm-hmm. that really is this warm, where it's not just the people, the filmmakers. It's not just the people working. It's the whole community are just so grateful and. Mm-hmm. Celebrating cinema at its rawest, purest form, yeah. and I've had a number of filmmakers just come up to me and say, "This, this, this, you need." And the opening of filmmakers said the same thing. They're like, "This is the best film festival we've ever been to," mm-hmm. and it's because it's student run. Mm. It's much more genuine. You know, yeah. you're not. You're, you know, I've, as I said, I've been to sixty film festivals in my mm-hmm. life as a mm-hmm. filmmaker, and a lot of these film festivals, you know, the, the folks running them, it's political. They're jaded. It's just another number. You're, and, and exactly, um, and yet, you know, because every year we have new people on the festival because of a new group of students they're doing it the first time so they're excited they're enthusiastic so right. i think that's part of the reason why that the is. energy is always so great because uh the 18 kids running the festival are, are new every year right, and right. you know i had a student say to me yesterday he said man i was driving on giancarlo and i i had to tell people no no pictures oh he said right. I, I couldn't handle it the pressure he said right. and I, I said i could never teach you this in a exactly. class yeah. So, yeah. So, exactly. and so and when he said that to me i said yes it's worth it because yeah. this this student got a, an amazing experience. Mm-hmm, it's yeah. going to be a life-changing life-time. experience. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I can go to bed at night knowing that I have done my best yeah. to yeah. try and train yeah. him to go out into the world and, and work in this industry. And, yeah. and you have them in every single position. Like I was talking to the people that are next door to us, uh, that they were some of your students, but they're up running the projections. And I mean, there's people that are like helping people uh, with tickets and making sure that the banners, the step Mar- and marketing, I mean, VIP parties, everything. Uh, encompassing experience that, that a film festival is not just like, okay, we got some films, we got a theater and now it's going to happen. It's like, no, there's, there's the, well, that's what we did. I teach yeah. a class in the fall yeah, and I divide the students up into categories to uh, program the festival. So narrative shorts, uh, documentary shorts, full length doc, and so forth. And what those students do, we don't just open a film, film freeway account and hope we get submissions. Mm. They actually go out and find films. Uh, they look at films that do well at other festivals. Yeah. They home the internet and then they reach out to the filmmaker and they say, hey, I'm the programming coordinator for music <laughs> videos, the Las Cruces International Film Festival. Would you please submit to our festival? Here's a waiver. So our yeah. quality of our submissions mm-hmm. are much yeah. higher yeah. than a festival our size would ever be because sure. we actually recruit films. Right. Yeah. And right. then those students in the spring, I divide them up. I say, okay, you guys are doing marketing. You're doing VIP parties. You're mm. doing filmmaker liaison. You're doing ticket sales. Yeah. And, and then they run the festival. And even we've had to deal with all the departments because it's a, hey, can we get a screener for the film ahead of time? Yeah. Get, or let us know where we can find this, when we find that. Uh, can you bring the filmmaker at this time? Can we do all of that has even been a reflection on how we're operating here. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, we yeah. experience it firsthand. And then, then, like Michael says, it's, oh, it's, yeah. it's, it's, it's very professional. It's very legitimate. Um, so I, I, 
this is the second year we're, we're involved, I think. Yeah, and, yeah, and, yeah. Um, and, and so we, grateful to have you guys. Me, me as an actor, I'm always like wondering, like, I've been seeing a lot of films. You guys have a lot of films. Do you think there's some one genre that you may like, you want people like to explore more that you don't see it a lot coming in through? Okay. Well, I, you know, I think the thing, I'm an independent filmmaker. Mm -hmm. I've, I've done films at the studio level. I've, you know, I've sold, the first thing I did out of film school is I sold a script to 20th Century Fox. Mm -hmm. Then I sold a script to TriStar. And I was kind of running around in the studio world. And it, it was really not creatively fulfilling. Mm -hmm. And then I went to Sundance at the recommendation of a friend. And that's what changed my life. I said, wow, this is independent filmmaking. I didn't know it existed. I didn't know what it was. And independent filmmaking is where the most interesting films are being made. That's yeah. where the, mm -hmm. the risks are being taken exactly. creatively. And that's yeah. where the, I yeah. like intimate character driven stories. I okay, like being creative, you know, and you're not, Marvel's certainly not doing that. And that's what's come out in the theaters, you know, Dungeons and Dragons. Shine These up. are not the kind of films that I want to make. Those are not the kind of films I want to see. So I, you know, I like edgy, interesting, risky, yeah. creatively endearing, intimate character driven stories. And that's what you're seeing in the independent film world. And yeah. that's what you're seeing at film festivals like our film. So those are the films we really look for. We mm, look for okay. films that otherwise wouldn't have a home mm, were, right. were it not for us. Right. And we're talking to the director and the composer uh, for uh, Land, of Land of Dreams. And exactly. they, they were going to a lot of the screenings as well and saying how it's beautiful what's here because you're you're seeing people who are taking those risks and yeah. trying different techniques mm. and, and, and putting all the uh what is it called all the textbook stuff aside so that way they can really explore cinema and explore the art form and to have a place like that here it means so much to people not only to the people watching it and expanding their minds on what's possible but also to the people that are you know seeing their film on the big screen for the first time yeah. when you know yeah. we edit on these computers and that's all you really get to see yeah, your film but our and, goal and, that's, and that's it right because when you make a movie you want it to be seen on the big screen Absolutely. with an audience with surround yeah. sound and most of the time especially today for an independent filmmaker it's it's streaming right yeah. it's being watched on a computer screen yeah. or god forbid uh, you know a, phone. your phone mm -hmm. or, so that's the other reason why we do the festival I, we did it uh, in a few years ago during COVID we did it virtually right. and, and right. I hated it no. you know yeah. I absolutely hated it and and, and I said, you know, if I have to do this again, I won't do it. Mm -hmm. um, I just, I didn't, you know, I didn't like the experience and it wasn't what you, you don't need our film festival to stream movies. There yeah. are so many streaming services. Yeah. Yeah. You don't need us. Right. Because so, people have said, well, why don't you do in person live on screen and do the, I said, you don't need us for streaming. Yeah. There's so many streaming services. We, you need us to program and curate mm -hmm. a slate of films. You otherwise wouldn't get a chance to see where it's not for us right. on the big screen, the way yeah, the movies are meant to be. Be seen yeah. Yeah, yeah and so that you know that's that's why we're here and that's why we're doing what we're doing so that the filmmakers can see their film on the big screen with, and, and and the other thing we try to do i believe film is literature mm -hmm. i used to have this argument mark madoff was my mentor my father-in-law you know very famous writer here mm -hmm. in las cruces mm -hmm. he used to say you can't compare a great film to a great book and i used to get in this <laughs> argument all the time yeah. i would say absolutely a great film is as uh, moving psychologically, yeah. emotionally, spiritually as a great book. And I really believe that. Absolutely. I really believe a great film can change a person the yeah. way a great book can. I believe films like literature. I think it is the 
21st century form of literature. It used to be, you know, 100 years ago, the creatives would say, I want to write the great American novel. Mm -hmm. Now they're coming out and saying, I want to make the great American film. Absolutely. Right? Quentin Tarantino, Robert Rodriguez, all mm -hmm. these great, you know, yeah. filmmakers that 100 years ago would have been writing novels. Now they're making films. That's true. That's true. Russ, uh, what, what's some advice you can give to independent filmmakers out there as as a buyer and as a seller, right? As, as a program director, as a, as a yeah. festival director, and as a filmmaker, what's something you can tell people out there? Two, two things that are really, really important in independent film. Number one, and I tell people this all the time, you got to get the script right. Mm. I see... A number of filmmakers are so excited, enthusiastic, and they rush to go make their film when the script isn't ready. Isn't right. ready. And, and it's all about the story. It's all about the script. You can't make a good movie with a bad script. Yeah. Okay, so get the script right. And that's the least expensive part of yeah. making your movie sure. is writing the script and developing the script. So yeah. write it, get feedback, do a table read, get feedback, rewrite it, get that script right. Make sure your story is strong. Make sure that that the that it's going to move an audience. So number mm -hmm. one is get the script right. Spend time getting the script in, in shape. And then the second thing is really balance your budget based on what you think that film can do. Because I think you have a responsibility when you make a film. Mm -hmm. You're doing it for yourself, obviously, at sure. some level, but you're also doing it for an audience. Yeah. Right. And then if you're raising money, whether it be from your parents, your dentist, mm -hmm. or if you're going to production companies and distributors, and so right. forth, if they're giving you money, you have a responsibility to make that money back. Yeah. Sure. And not every film deserves to be $10 million. Right. Right. Yeah. So I talked to Jason Blum a couple of weeks ago. He <laughs> bought my first film. He has Blumhouse. Mm -hmm. And we were talking about a project I have. And he said, yeah, you know, it sounds like about a $5 million film. I said, no, nah, I, I, we need about $10, $12 million. And he says, I don't try to make that range. I said, why not? Mm -hmm. He says, because I want to make sure my films make their money back. Mm -hmm. And this is a guy that could make a hundred million dollars oh, yeah, if he wanted to. But yeah. he said, you know, as a producer, my responsibility is make sure we make the film for the amount that I know the film will make getting back. Yeah. And there's a formula. Every actor has a value. Right. Sure, so you sure. cast a certain actor, you know what their value is uh, overseas, yeah. you know, and then you make the film for that budget. So right, rather right, than right. create a budget and say, this is what I need to make the film. Mm -hmm. Look at your script. Look at the genre. Right. How is, do those genres perform yeah. uh, in terms of the box office, in terms of streaming, in terms of the different platforms where you right. can recoup your money? Look at the actors in it. Yeah. You know, if you have a script with no name actors, it's tougher to make your money back. Right, right, so right, you yeah. should be making making that at a lesser budget. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's true. It's true. That's that's fantastic yeah. advice. Absolutely. The formula is right here. <laughs> yeah. yeah. If you're listening. So uh, we appreciate it, Russ. And, and again, we could be here hours talking about yeah, this, absolutely. all of this stuff. I love but talking with you guys. No, no. And we appreciate it. And, and just stay tuned because uh, just in the same episode, you can see a lot of the conversations that we had with these amazing filmmakers and Ross being one of them and, yeah, and, and being guy. able to connect with us uh, um, and connect us with other people to the, yeah. have the same vision and have the same values in cinema and, and how much we appreciate it. This is why we're here. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I, mean, I have to tell somebody. you guys, you know, it, it is a lot of hard work for me. I'm not a young guy anymore. <laughs> when I went to Sundance in 94, I was a young guy and I'm, I'm now I'm an old man. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, thank you. Thank you. I've got kids almost there. So, so, but but when I walk by this room, because I'm running up and down, like you right, said, right. and I see you guys with the lights on, the three of you and your multi-camera setup and your mixer, and I see you guys, that energizes me. I said, you know, I got to make sure these guys are jamming because they're yeah. here putting in their heart and soul and their hard work to celebrate independent film. And I got to do my part. So it really, it energized me. Every time I go down there, I see these 
these lights and I see what you guys are doing, it, it fuels me. So thank you for, oh, for, no, that for means the world motivating me and inspire yeah. you guys inspire me. So you really do. <laughs> so that means the world to us. Yeah, so we yeah. appreciate it's that. So thanks so much. And 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 obviously just stay tuned because we're, we're the festival's just rocking and rolling and we've been able to talk to a lot of people. And Ross, again, we can't thank you enough for having us be a part of this and and seems like uh like the, the feeling is mutual we inspire yeah. each other and well and let's right. let's mm-hmm. let's figure out uh the dates for now maybe we just leave the equipment here for next yeah yeah we'll lock up the room and come back next year you're ready set up. Oh, yeah, absolutely. That's awesome awesome well again stay tuned we got somebody else coming up in the next uh next portion of this episode so thank you guys so much for tuning in and and keep promoting um everything that is independent cinema yes, all of the yes. film festivals both local and, and national and international please 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 uh help us we're independent filmmakers the whole point of us making cinema is to share it with the world so that's that's yeah. the goal so thanks so much ross yeah, and, my pleasure. and stick around Thank you. stay tuned welcome back to the tower cast podcast we're still here at the las cruces international film festival and just been having a blast talking to all these awesome filmmakers yes, we have. Uh, storytellers actors mm-hmm. all alike um and uh we we have two very special guests who are no shorter than that. You know, we they, they they're premiering a film yep. uh, here at the at the festival, and uh, this film's called Abnormality, a feature film. Um, <clears throat> and we're very excited to talk to Xavier Estrada and Devin Macias. Thank you guys for joining us. Thank you for having us. Writer director yes, and the lead lead in the film, correct? Yes, sir. Nice. Awesome. So we always like to kick off the episode with um, how did your journey in storytelling begin? So it all started uh, in sixth grade. Sixth grade, wow. At Sierra Middle School. Okay. They had a media program there, and I was super into film. Mm. And so I just joined their their media magnet there, and it kind of just took off from there. And then we uh, we started our first feature film back in 2020. And that, we just had a, a private showing at the Rio Grande Theater. Okay. It wasn't released or anything, but now this film uh, is on Amazon. It's released here, oh, nice, and uh, we nice. had a whole premiere. So, awesome, just a big man. step from our our previous one. And you know, this the whole point of this podcast is to encourage the next wave of storytellers, right? And and let people know, like, if if you truly love this, like, you you should do this. You know, mm-hmm. you should go for it. Uh, you two are, are two young dudes. How old are you guys? Nineteen. Nineteen. Yeah. Dang man. I mean, yeah. <clears throat> so it's yeah. it's a big deal to point that out because yes. people, you know, you're already on your second feature film, and um, and it's it's a big deal to point that out. So that's awesome. Um, I gotta ask, what made you start into all this? Was it a movie? Um, a director? I'm gonna I'm gonna say the director, Quentin Tarantino, my favorite director of all time, and I want to get to his point of level of, of of films. Maybe not his genre, but you know, a uh, very well known director, right. storyteller, writer. And that's my that's my goal is to be up there with him. So. Was there a certain movie? Pulp Fiction. Pulp Fiction. Pulp Fiction. <clears throat> the standard Pulp Fiction. And with you, is it also Tarantino? Do you have mm. something that wanted you to or inspired you to get into acting? Nothing really inspired me. It just kind of kind of just happened. Dude. Yeah, just yeah. Happened. I brought I brought him in and uh, he was like, "We're just friends growing up. We're just friends growing up." We got our first one, and I was like, "Dude, you need to be in my movie." And he's like, "Okay." <laughs> and just then, the natural. Yep. And then yeah. we've cool. been together. Ever you since, never took so. acting classes. Or you're no. just you're one of those natural guys. That Robert Downey. I guess. Nice. <laughs> and now is it like? Yeah, I'm just gonna keep helping my buddy out. Or do you like the craft? Are you wanting to explore more acting? Or or do you guys co write or anything like that? I'm just helping him, but I think I'm starting to. Like him more, 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 more. So we'll see where it goes. For yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, sure, sure. Okay, cool. Uh, so tell us a little bit about. Um, much like most filmmakers, you jump into a short film or a couple, mm-hmm. and then you gradually, hopefully, progress and graduate into features, right? But uh, tell us about that kickoff when you made your first short and you knew this was what you wanted to pursue. So um, 
in high school, they gave us a project, uh, me, because he wasn't, he didn't go to my school, but they gave me a project saying, uh, make a script and turn it into a movie trailer. Mm. So <clears throat> my, me and my classmates, we made a trailer and I was like, Hey, this is a really good story. Let's make it into a feature film. Mm. And so that's when I grabbed him and a couple other of my friends and we made that film within a year and this was during COVID too. So oh, it was like okay. virtual, wow. virtual assignment. And I was like, Hey, we need to, we need to get out there and do something. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. so we made that within a year. And then, like I said, we, it, it premiered at the Rio Grande. And then now we just sort of stuck with the same people sure. and wrote this next one, but really put it out there more. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, most people start off with short films or something like that, but we yeah. actually made a, a 50 minute feature film for our first project. Together, right, so. right. And That's this is awesome. your first time trying out the whole festival circuit? <laughs> yeah, so I've been here. I, I come to this festival every year, but this yeah. is my first time having anything in the festival. Well, congrats, home. man. Thank yeah, you. Congrats. Thank you. And for you to have a feature mm-hmm. is a big deal. So that's that's kudos to that. Um, so you get to a stage where you're comfortable with features. A lot of filmmakers don't get to that point for a couple of years mm-hmm. or maybe a couple of yeah. uh, uh, shorts even. How, how was that? that decision for you to say, you know what, this, we have enough time, resources, et cetera, to make a feature. Again, Tarantino did a similar route, right? So mm-hmm. maybe that's, that's where you draw from is him to just, yeah, that, that too. But also the, 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 the COVID time, it was just, I had, we had so much time on our hands mm-hmm. yeah. and I, and I didn't know when we were going to go back to school when everything was going to open back up. Yeah. So I literally just, I had my writer, he wrote me, me the script and I said, we can get this done with plenty of time sure so we literally just went out and just made it with all the time that we needed and we took our time with it and we didn't really feel like we needed to make a short because mm. we had that time let's make a feature film instead right. of a short <clears throat> yeah. a short film now a lot of filmmakers that do that tend to and we're of that school to a certain degree school thought to a certain degree will say well instead of going to film school i'm gonna i'm gonna make a feature film and that's gonna be my film score are you guys yeah. of that because you're 19 you mm-hmm. you're quote unquote should be in college yeah. right so are you thinking of that route or are you thinking more of that like we're just going to keep making films I'm, I'm on the just just go mm-hmm. i i feel like college to me is not where i need to be right mm-hmm. now i the business is just people you need to know a bunch of people you need to have That's experience sure um college is for knowledge more more of the, say it's um on that point of uh, view and um I feel like I got all the knowledge that I need personally from watching movies mm-hmm. and from taking my classes in middle school. Yeah. And yeah. so for me to go out there and actually make the film is my experience and take that experience and go to people with it sure. and then just take those <laughs> steps and then boom, you know, you yeah, get wherever the, you need to go. They say the pros and cons for like, you know, going to film school or going and just, just doing it is like all of us, we met kind of in film school. So mm-hmm. it's, having that community like once you can find the people that really work well with you then that's when we have kind of like our team that now we want to produce a project we feel confident there but it's good that you were able to find those people around you yeah that you know you could already start having that community so now it's just jumping into it i guess trial by fire seeing Mm -hmm. what works what doesn't work and learning along the way right Mm -hmm. Tell us a little bit about abnormality. Tell us the people who haven't seen the film. I mean, that's an Amazon. You want to give us the elevator pitch to it? You want to say that? Me? Yeah, explain it. Why should we have this right now? Okay. <laughs> so we, the, I don't know if you guys have heard of, um, what's his name? What was that dude's name? Oh, Ryan Reynolds. Right. The guy who was based off of. Oh, um, why Christopher. I, yes, his name is Christopher. I can't think of the last name. Um, anyways, there was a true story in Colorado. He killed his wife and his two daughters. Mm. 
and he shoved them in the oil tanks and and uh went through that have you heard of that story yeah what's what what's it what's 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 yeah Chris Watts. Oh, that's dude, i know name. everything about that that's his name <laughs> so that's what the movie is inspired by okay so he plays chris in, in a way but it's not chris it's Directly. a different guy right right yeah so it's, it's inspired by so he kills his wife and his two daughters and he gets um arrested and he gets uh in, in jail but we're telling the story of what would happen if he was ever to be released Mm-hmm. from prison what would he go and do because in prison they gave him sort of a new treatment that they're working on in the jails to like cure um crazy people right, right so he gets a treatment that's tested on him and it works and it goes through their system and it works he gets released mm-hmm. so now it's like what what is he going to do exactly now that he's out and he committed this crime but his wife is the um wife of the main detective working on sorry the the sister of the detective working on the case. Mm. Oh, okay. So he kills his, his brother-in-law's oh, okay. sister. Right, right. So he's related to the detective working on the case. Okay. So it's kind of like them going back and forth, like what, sure, what the sure. heck is going on, you know? And he's messing with the detective when the detective knows this dude shouldn't be out of jail. When everybody's like, chill out. It, 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 the test worked. Mm-hmm. It's okay. You just need to, yeah. it's, a, it's a hard thing to process, but just relax. That's what it, the Did you think of is. that idea once you saw like the crime happening? Like when it happened? Yeah, and, and the reason why we didn't base it directly off of him is because we don't have exactly. permission. We don't have all that kind of mm-hmm. stuff. So we're going around it and flipping the story sure. kind of type of thing. Smart, smart. So that's, that's great, guys. Now you're... Born and raised in Las Cruces, mm-hmm. but both of you yes. were. Now, how does it feel to have have your film premiere at, at your home yeah. festival? I mean, that's got to... We've, we've had feeling. that happen a few times, and yeah. it's, it's yeah. always a good feeling, right? It's so pretty exciting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we like... Um, we I, I feel like New Mexico is, is it's growing with the film industry, and I feel yeah. like everything, yeah. everything here is what you need to start off with to get your career going. Sure. So for us to have our feature film start here could potentially give better opportunities for the both of us right and it's just a great place to to build your career yeah. and what type of like advice did you give this guy to to, to like, get to, into character to get into character on the acting yeah. i made him watch the documentary yeah that's one thing you never really gave me too much advice. i didn't I, I honestly just let him oh, take take it over i like that yeah so you're free to just so all the resources we had was yeah. the documentary, and uh-huh. that was it. And he just he just took it over. I just tried my best. Beautiful, beautiful, awesome. Did you feel any stress going into an acting role like that, especially for a feature? <laughs> I feel like That's a good question, you're yeah. not like you know you you know jumping into shorts and then you know you build up and then you start acting for a full feature. But I mean, did you feel any of that pressure kind of going into this? In the beginning, yes, because mm. the first one there was no pressure. It was just me having fun with yeah. my friends. Mm-hmm. Sure, sure. Yeah, yeah. But in the second one, there was actually people telling us what to do and like helping us mm-hmm. there's a lot more people mm-hmm. so i did feel the pressure in the beginning but towards the end now wow. i'm just along with it yeah and how big was the crew for the whole project um we had for the first one it was just for the first one it was like eight of us oh, okay eight. Uh, no, no budget i'm assuming no budget right? and just was that different this time around did the resources kind of explain oh yeah it was, it was completely different where um locations were different we got a lot more in the city mm-hmm. when the last one we were just in a, a warehouse okay. and you know in the desert warehouse. Yeah. <laughs> and is there any interesting stories like any something happened stories from the set anything I know mm-hmm. we almost got jumped on whoa, 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 whoa. Oh, what's yeah. that about yeah uh-huh. on our last one we were filming like it was almost midnight because we want we need to do a night scene mm-hmm. right and we were filming on the side of the road like on the sidewalk and this this car drives by us and they reverse 
to stop. And this dude jumps out of the window mm-hmm. and comes up to us. And what was he saying? Like we were making fun of young. his mom. Yeah. And there was just some random thing. Jeez, he was having that his mom died recently. Yeah. And then and like we were making were like fun of him. Yeah. Right. It was kind of scary. <laughs> yeah. But then he got out of it. He just walked out. Yeah. He just walked away. He just left where we were at. And I had my mask on. So I'm like, that's crazy well um that's fantastic guys i mean kudos to you guys yes. for being yes. the hr and, and then getting and things done old. yeah man, that's, that's something that we're encouraging people to do is just go for it and do what you got to do get the resources you can make films with your friends but ultimately tell the stories you love right, mm, right. um so what can people look forward to coming up what do you what do you guys got coming, coming down up? the pop- pipeline so we are taking a huge step and we are getting a way bigger budget. Okay. Uh, a lot more people involved. So it's this last movie times three mm. with the with the whole uh, production. Um, it's called The Apple Orchard. Okay. And you guys can look it up on IMDb if you guys want to check it out. But that's all we can say so far. But uh, we're looking at Ross Marks hopefully being a part of the project. Nice. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Hopefully bringing down some Hollywood actors to be in it. Cool. So, are you are you in a pre right now or? Yeah. So we we're on the we're on the beginning stages of the scripts. We haven't wrote the script yet. We're just uh, creating the world of the of the film. That's and awesome. when uh, <clears throat> is the casting? <laughs> when is it gonna be? The I don't actors, know yet. So. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, we got that coming up, and then we are also doing a, a short film. I want to dive into the shorts as well short, just to get you know stay with it stay yeah, with yeah. it so yeah, exactly. we're gonna come up with the short and do that as well so we got two big projects coming up very cool man well congratulations and stay tuned for for all of their work thank you guys for talking to thank us you, on the podcast you, and stay tuned we got more people coming through and, and talking to us about film thank you awesome. Good day, man Welcome back to the Towercast podcast, the Italian podcast for yes. the towering filmmaker of El Paso in the world. We are here at the Las Cruces International Film Festival, and uh, this collection of this particular episode is just talking to all the amazing filmmakers, uh, indie and studio, and just everybody coming through to... Uh, to celebrate cinema. That's what film festivals are for, right? So uh, we have a very unique perspective. Uh, you know who these guys are. So, you know, we've introduced these guys. We're still here. We're, <laughs> we're still, still here. around. Uh, thank you to Austin, making sure we're sounding good. Uh, we have the awesome people, mi- minus one, right, from yeah, Femme Frontera, and you couldn't make it today. But uh, we have Jackie Baragan and Ryan Rocks. Thank you guys for being here. Thank you. So we always like to kick off with how did your storytelling journey begin? Tell us a little bit about that perspective and whoever wants to go first. I always let Jackie go. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So actually, I have to give a lot of credit to Femme Frontera, which is an organization that was started um, seven years ago. Uh, Angie Torres and a group of other uh, female filmmakers from the border decided to just put together a showcase mm-hmm. um, right. uh, highlighting their films. And they did it in El Paso and they thought it was just going to be a one-time thing. But so many people were thirsty for that kind mm-hmm. of content. When was this? What, what year did Femme Brothera really kick off? Seven years ago. Yeah. So, okay. yeah. 2016. Uh-huh. Yeah. That's when we got started, actually. Really? Yeah, our company. In. And Angie had just gotten back from film school in San Francisco. And we we're so lucky that she came back here because a lot of times people leave our city right. or the talent <clears throat> takes off. Yeah, yeah. And so um, the fact that she came back just like really created a lot of opportunities for uh, women and non-binary filmmakers on the mm-hmm. border. Yeah. And so I would go to those film festivals since the very, very beginning. Mm-hmm. Um, they... It, 
it was supposed to be a one-time thing, but so many people wanted it. So it ended up becoming a yearly thing. And then they started looking for funding. And then before you know it, um, it was a full-fledged organization that was mm. providing, we provide um, <coughs> classes, workshops, um, filmmaking workshops in the summer and also grants. Nice. Um, and we have a showcase. So so you started as as an attendee, in as other an words, attend- and, yeah. and now what's your role in in, in So now, so uh, three years ago, I during the pandemic, I received a small grant for my first film, a story that um, I feel like I'm fueled from my personal experiences, and then seeing a lack of. Um, of, of content in the media and in film that mm. I can identify with, right? Yeah, sure, sure. And so I had my my mother's story in the back of my mind and I just applied for this grant and Angie was a really big um, motivator. She's like, you need mm. to just do this. It's mm-hmm. a great story. Like we, sometimes you just need somebody to believe yeah, in you, yeah, yeah. you know? Um, and so I ended up winning that grant and then a part of the um, package was I was able to put my first film in the Femme Frontera showcase oh, okay. three years ago. <laughs> and um, it was just an incredible moment. Where what was, was the like, name of the picture? It's called Josie, named Josie, after my Josie. mom. Okay. Yeah, Josie. my mom was a retired, um, she retired undefeated as a martial artist. Oh, wow. And she studied in Oh, Lattice. I remember this. Oh, okay. you that was, oh wow. <laughs> okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. Yeah. So, yeah. And wow. so it's difficult. The, the content of it, the reason why was because she went through an uh, attack and abuse and um, mm-hmm. she wanted to seek revenge and so so, (laughs) and so her story is incredible like i said i was like this is one of those stories that needs to be shared especially to kill bill sentinel very much so (laughs) yeah and i would love to create a feature film because i it had to fit under 15 minutes right right so was this through mcat the the grant no it was through it was through a a local artist named sochi rodriguez started a program called the caldo collective Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. her vision like people should take up this model was was really interesting but she would have a different house every year would host a event Mm -hmm. and they would have caldo and at first Uh, there would be a soup and so people would buy some food the first mm -hmm. couple ones was just beans like a bowl of beans (laughs) in the backyard Uh, she called it the frijol fest (laughs) and so five artists were chosen to um, pitch their ideas okay and so i was one of the artists um three years ago and the entire audience which was like 100 to 200 people they had been you know selling tickets for the food and then they could give extra donations for the artists and the audience votes on which um which are the crowd votes on which artists should receive those funds and i and i won and so it was a very like very cool kind of grassroots way of building up micro funds for artists sure sure so that's how that started i wasn't through mcat um and so, so I got my film in the showcase and I was, you know, it was quarantine COVID time and I was in between employment yeah, yeah, yeah. and uh, Femme Frontera ended up receiving a, a grant from the Ford Foundation, oh, okay. $80,000 grant. Wow. And I was like, if you want to hire somebody, I would love to like, work cool. for this team. And <laughs> yeah. so she ended up hiring me on the, on the team. And um, so it's been three years and I handle the showcase tour every year, which is what, why we're here today. The mm-hmm. entire seventh annual showcase is screening here at the Las Cruces Film mm-hmm. Festival and I'm also the director of community engagement so how awesome. do we how do we create um events and, and ways of networking in the mm-hmm. border, Las Cruces, we're focusing Las Cruces, Juarez and El Paso sure. and streamlining this um 
this help, like we're kind of separated by these borders, even from El Paso de las Cruces, yeah, right? right? Mm-hmm, right. And especially across the border. And they're kind of proverbial borders to a certain degree too, especially last year. That's something we're talking to Ross about on the podcast that we want, we need to bridge that gap mm-hmm. in any, any way, shape or form. And it's not just film production. It's not just, just community so that filmmakers can feel like they can connect with other filmmakers, period. Exactly. Uh, so that's, that's, that's massive. That's massive. Uh, Ryan, how about, how about you? Yeah. How did- so um, I've always wanted to do something with film, but I never thought I could. Mm. And um, it's funny, like, the full circle, I feel like there's so many full circle aspects of mm-hmm. when you like are in film, yeah. but um, the director of the Las Cruces International Film Festival, Ross Marks, uh, when he brought his first feature film, Walking With Her, to Las Cruces, that was the first time I thought, or I knew mm-hmm. that you could do film in Las Cruces. Uh, like, sure, sure. what? They do that here in mm-hmm. Mexico? Mm-hmm. I didn't know. And so that kind of like sparked my interest. Was and there a, a film or... Um uh, mentor or anybody that like I guess you you saw and or went to the theater and then thought like this is what I want to do as a career and kind of move forward well I kind of just I wanted to be an actor so okay. I've always wanted to do that I just mm-hmm. didn't think you could mm-hmm. and so that start with background acting and his film led me to you know seek out films like tower production short film yeah yeah you were, you were the background first, talent for 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 a couple yeah, or for I shorts think my i think first one was like right after that i think um i worked with you on um the it was a courtroom one i assumed oh, we were we did assume down to yeah. that's right yeah. so no, no. that was like my first and it's great film. because <laughs> you i mean you've come a long way since and and are now producing your own pictures and, and yes. directing and writing and, and whatnot but um, and acting in lead roles naturally, right? But uh, we always like we were always like trying, right? <laughs> doing the damn thing. That's awesome. Yeah, you know? yeah. So uh, that's that's fantastic. So going from background talent into yeah. into writing and directing, you talk a little bit about that because you do have quite a few films either mm-hmm. that you acted in or or wrote directed. Right. Is there like a director that you kind of admire, kind of like biting off? Yeah, I hate to say Quentin Tarantino because mm-hmm. it's just everybody's answer. <laughs> but I mean, there's just something about starting off in film, and sure. it's just the go-to. But yeah, yeah, sure. since then, I mean, I started looking into more like trans and non-binary and queer Ooh, directors okay. that wonderful. I look up to and women um, like Charlotte Wells and mm. uh, people like Sam Levinson and Ryan Murphy yeah. and um, Euphoria. I, I big, love Ryan Murphy. Mm-hmm. Like I, I'm yeah. a big musical guy. I, I write musicals and, and Ryan's just mm-hmm. fantastic. He's been yeah. Really, um, like and during the pandemic, I, watching Hollywood yes. was just something uh, I was like, why is nobody paying attention to this exactly. terrific series? But yeah, yes. yeah right. films like that and or uh, television shows like that too, mm-hmm. where they're not afraid or they don't have to be afraid to push boundaries. Absolutely, and have nudity and male nudity. Right. Which, mm-hmm. like, I'm all about like uh, seeing things I would have wanted to see when I was young. You know, there's mm. women's bodies all over the place, but not necessarily sure, men. Sure. So that's uh, right, I like to sure. objectify men in the movies. <laughs> 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 that's, uh, that's fantastic. Yeah. So um, I feel like in the past couple of years, seeing the progression and this correlates directly with Fem Frontera, right? Um, how did you come across Fem Frontera? And, 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 and a lot of your films have been, I think you also got a grant through yeah, them recently. And stuff. Right. Can you talk yeah. a little bit about that so connection? My... Uh, the reason I started making films was, you know, it was a pandemic, nothing to do, and as an actor, there was nothing filming. So I thought, okay, people say uh, to make your own content yeah, and mm-hmm. make a reel and send the reel to an agent or agents mm-hmm. and see what you get out of that. And so I was originally kind of just trying to pass the time, give my actor and crew friends work, and go from there mm-hmm, nice. I ended up falling in love with the process uh, something about writing something and mm-hmm. then 
like realizing it and seeing it on oh, yeah. screen is just so like beautiful. And so uh, I never stopped after that. I made four films, uh, but that first film, Crawl, actually, I submitted to Femme Frontera and it was, mm -hmm. I think it was 23 minutes or something <laughs> and they had to be like 15 and 20. Mm -hmm. And um, so Angie uh, didn't want to just reject it and not say anything. Mm -hmm. So she reached out to me and said, Ryan, I'm so sorry. That's, it doesn't you know, fit in our showcase. Fantastic. But fantastic. like, I, I want you to continue, like, please keep going. Mm. And so I did. And I um, applied to the grant last year in 2022. And, um, got funding uh, from the filmmaker grant that we have every year. And uh, that's how I funded Shipping Them. Shipping Them. I was yeah, saying, that's the one that got... Yeah. got Which is part of this this year's showcase. Awesome, now, so. awesome. Well, um, we know you are, are, are gearing up for the, for this uh, block, so we don't want to keep longer. But uh, a couple more things. Um, number one, what can we look forward to? What's coming up in the pipeline that you can talk about, both of you? I mean, uh, the, collectively, but... Um, and yeah, what, what, what can we look forward to? What could our audience kind of be looking out for? Yeah, I'm working on my first feature film, finally. Awesome. So it's called Hidden Flora, and okay. it's a oh, queer yeah. romantic dramedy. And I've cast a lot of non-binary folks from uh, our area. And it's important for me to have queer people, uh, not only in front of the camera, but behind the camera, too. Sure, so yeah, some absolutely. of my crew are either queer or, or um, allies. I always make sure. So that'll awesome. come out probably next year, hopefully. Next year? Yeah. Awesome. Next year. Awesome. Yeah. So keep a lookout for that. Yeah, Jackie, anything awesome. we could? Yeah, so I'm working on a documentary um, about the river, about the Rio Grande. Mm. Um, okay. Working with PBS, a program called Hindsight. And um, they wanted to see environmental issues that are happening on the border. Um, and so I chose the river um, and it's going to be like a poetic documentary coming from my perspective. I, I live nearby it and I'm always there. And um, just like, why is it that there's no water the majority of the year mm -hmm. in our area? True. And also what happened to the the to the river and to the life around it when it became such a solidified political divide mm -hmm. um and i'm going to talk about how my grandmother came across that river with my mother on her back and mm. how um, migration is a human right and i know that's a very controversial yeah. to topic but um right. not only has that river ca caused a division with humans but yeah. um animal migration has mm. been affected uh, sure. and um like the cottonwood trees are disappearing because of how you know drought is now affecting that area and so um there's just this interconnect interconnection that people that we have with nature mm -hmm. and when we impose ourselves um and you and try to control it um there's all these repercussions yeah. and so that's mm -hmm. that's massive it's gonna I have to do all that in in a matter of uh, eight minutes it's important it's gonna be a punchy eight minutes <laughs> <laughs> and us, us being from the border um you know, it's it's something that we really need to bring a light to. So that, that's yeah. fantastic. So please be on the lookout for that. Last question, as we always like to ask, do you have any advice for, for storytellers that are either just getting started or, or needing to push through or needing some some type of, of motivation to keep going? Um, anything you can that you've picked up on your journey this far? Well, um, I, I just want to bring it back to Femme Frontera. The reason why the organization was um, created was because you know, I, I love men. I love my dad. I have a boyfriend and everything. But a lot of these industries, in particular, the film industry is dominated by men. Sure, absolutely. And so um, 
And on the set, um, a lot of times, like women's voices aren't really respected or mm-hmm. we're not valued. And, yeah. you know, what we want to get to the point where we don't have to say you're a female filmmaker, a non-binary filmmaker. You're mm-hmm. just a filmmaker yeah, and you're equal. Right. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so I want to just send a message to, you know, um, to women and non-binary fil- filmmakers to know that, like, we have um, all these resources for them and to find a support group that is encouraging and yes. is motivating them. And um, every year we offer grants. We have those classes. Awesome. We're trying to create a, a community of support um, because I know there's a, a lack of storytelling when it comes from our perspective. Mm-hmm. And it's and it's it, like our perspective isn't... Um, it can't it can't be put in a in a certain category like there's so mm. much we have to say yeah. and it's exciting and it can be sexy and it can be <laughs> fun and it can also be challenging and it can but also be yours. hard and it's ours it's yeah. your voice and like you said it you also comes from the fact that you, it's developing that community because yeah. without that community and without that support then yeah a lot of people can feel isolated <laughs> exactly. and like they're not able to break in in any way and it's great that you're saying that you're trying to have both non-binary people and queer people like in front of the camera and behind the camera because mm-hmm. that's how the voices and uh, the messages get shared so exactly and like people i guess queer and trans people probably don't think they can do it there's no Mm -hmm. space for them because they don't see um, any kind of representation of that in the media on screen or behind the camera and so yeah i think um it's so important to just you know give those voices a voice and platform Mm -hmm. and so um i hope to do that with my films and my career in the little way that i can even just making films of queer joy instead of queer trauma like mm-hmm. a lot of uh, cis people make so yeah yeah that's important uh, you know we talk about that all the time how like you know we go to the cinema to see something that naturally of course something's going to impact but also we like to feel good yeah. <laughs> there has to be that balance right so that's that's right. that's a fantastic perspective given the, the climate today yeah uh, so that's awesome well yeah. you're here you're on the tower cast podcast we we're literally holding them up there's somebody yeah. for you guys outside <laughs> the window already okay. but uh but thank you guys for your perspective and, and thank, thank you for the work you're doing through fem frontera and just your, your independent filmmaking yes. as well keep please uh and and please keep encouraging uh filmmakers to connect period just no women no men no no filmmakers let's connect you know yeah, so that's that's massive um stay tuned we got other great people coming on the podcast talking to more filmmakers here at the las cruces international film festival thank you Fem frontera angie thank you for you know uh doing what you're doing organizing <laughs> this as well and exactly and doing what you're doing with with Fem frontera so we'll, we'll connect soon but uh thank you all so much for tuning in and, and keep a lookout for their work thank exactly. you thank you that was awesome Welcome back to the Towercast podcast. We're here at the Las Cruces International Film Festival. We're happy to be back. Uh, we've been talking to a lot of people, lot, lots of great people, and uh, and the show keeps going. We have an amazing guest, Mr. Michael Halal, cinematography perspective. Always cinematography perspective. Always. Mr. John Eric Castro. Giving you the acting perspective. And I'm your fellow film uh, humble servant, Carlos Alatorre, just giving you a writing directing perspective. We have an amazing guest today. And I got to thank Austin for making sure we're sounding good and, and making sure we're looking good down there. He's even taking uh, pictures. And he's even taking pictures, well, being our PR guy. Amazing. Too. Uh, we have a very special guest. We're talking to Soul Tryon, and he's here with what? Land of Dreams specifically, but he's he has a plethora of amazing work. He produces, he writes, he directs, he does it all. Um, Jack of all trades. But I, I, I'd love to get all of the perspective of all these amazing things but thanks so much for joining us yeah thank you guys for having me thank you so big thing we like to kick off with is is how did you become a storyteller what's what's the story there how did you the big question this is a crazy industry to get into to begin with we 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 know this we all know this why why did you specifically want to become a storyteller yeah you know it's funny i uh 
grew up in Maine and my mom was an artist. So I always like went to Into the you know, galleries and all that sort of stuff, but never, you know, and I always made films in like high school and things like that, yeah. but never in my wildest dreams, like thought about actually being a filmmaker. It was not something even on my radar at all right. until about a year after I graduated high school and I kind of traveled around. I went to another liberal arts school for a semester and Again, all my friends were artists and I was studying like storytelling and but through like anthropology and mythology uh, and sure. things like that. And then my mom was like, you know, you always liked making movies. Wow. Mm. And so she got me like a young filmmakers workshop uh, kind of program for Shout uh, out to the my moms. birthday. This was college more or less? This was, or? yeah, this was, uh, I was what, 19, 18, okay. something wow. like that. And uh, and I went, I did that workshop and I was like, that's it. <laughs> yeah. That's what I want to do. I think everybody you has know? that like aha moment, right? Yeah. That what was just it about to... the workshop? You know, was it was, it, it kind of put it all together for me. Like I grew up playing sports and I was way into like the team sport aspect okay. of stuff. Collaborative. And, and then also in the arts and I was kind of like, hey, this is, this kind of feels like, right. It feels sure. like all of the things that I love. I love storytelling. I love art. I love teamwork. And, and, you know, and just the, the, the vibe of creating mm -hmm. in that way was just, just Everybody felt in the great, same page you know? wanted to do something. Yeah. And then, and I, and I didn't know exactly what I wanted to do. I thought maybe when I started, I would do like uh, cinematography because I was really into the visual art yeah. aspect of it. But then the further I got into schooling and I kind of like really started like enjoying the aspect of just telling stories and being able to actually mm -hmm. like tell it from the whole, the whole picture of it, you know? And then, so I started focusing more on directing mm -hmm. and then I, uh, I did two years, uh, I got my associate of arts degree, um, at the, the workshops that I went to, it was a, a little school in Maine and, uh, and then I moved to New York city. And I had an opportunity to actually intern on a feature film when I was in Maine first. Which one what was the feature film? It's called Dark Harbor. Dark Harbor. Dark Harbor. Yeah. And uh, it was a independent New York independent film, mm. and a lot of amazing people involved sure. in the project, and just had an awesome experience. I always gotta ask my question: mm -hmm. It was there a movie actor director that just inspired you? Even growing up, right? You growing said you up, made yeah. films. Yeah, yeah one like, film or that one. You just one. saw the Fablemans, right? You know, see, yeah. see? <laughs> so like, it's, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, so many, right? Like, they're just, I mean, you know, as a kid watching things like Star Wars. Also, your Star Wars, yeah, okay, okay. I mean, you know, I, I wouldn't say I am because I'm definitely much more on the indie side of stuff. Yeah, yeah. But as a kid, seeing Star Wars and seeing, like, Indiana Jones and those things, it's kind okay. of like, those big excited epics, about right? stuff. Yeah. And then the more I got refined getting into the stuff like Jim Jarmusch and, mm. like, kind of, like, finding my niche of, of stuff that I really like to, mm -hmm. to see and the stories I like to tell and mm. I, I really like... I like films that kind of tell things in they, they aren't like the straightforward path necessarily, right? right? They, they kind of like tell a story by um, expressing stuff mm. and right, right. creating conversation, creating thought through, uh, through a narrative, but the narrative really kind of backs up the, the, the conversation, sure. yeah, yeah. Have, you know? Um, so that's like a big reason why we even started like the podcast because it's crazy how yeah. film inspires conversations afterwards. I mean, totally. we all hope that when we make something, people leave the theater and mm -hmm. not just talk about the film, but also talk about their own personal life and yeah. how, how they, they connect, connect with it. it. Yeah. Uh, absolutely. Now, um, so you get you get this kind of big opportunity on an indie set. Um, is this something that you think, you know, I love this collaborative front on this level or were you kind of seeking just any project out to kind of get out there, you know, um, keep building for that? I, you know, I, I just kind of like, uh, I, I, through that project, I was able to get an internship on my winter break mm. in New York City and I kind of went down to New York City and I was like, this is kind of cool, you know, this is interesting. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, and then yeah. I graduated and I went down and I, through my relationships with all the people in New York, I was mm. like, I'm moving right to New York City and I had awesome. work right away. And I, you know, started as a PA and I 
you know, kind of worked my way up to the line, uh, sorry, AD first and then line producer. And then I produced my first film mm. um, called Bomb the System uh, that came out in 2003. Bomb the System. And uh, it's a graffiti art movie. Mm. Um, wow. And then, uh, you know, and actually, I, very early in my career, I started working with Shereen Shot, the director for Land Oh, of Dreams. wow. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I think I AD'd first for her and Shoja in. 99? Wow. Okay. Something like that. Okay. 2000? Mm-hmm. Somewhere in that range. We were doing a video art installation. Mm. And uh, and so started kind of that collaboration then. A little bit of a full circle <laughs> moment then with coming to this picture. Right? Yeah. You know, we I worked with them for years. And then uh, after I directed my first film, um, things kind of went a little bit differently and hadn't worked with them for a number of years. And then, uh, what, about five years ago, I kind of was like, hey, you know, I want to come back and collaborate. And we'd always stayed in touch. We were always friends the whole right, time. Right. Yeah. But it was kind of the opportunity presented itself. I, sure. I took a, a break and kind of ran a production company for a long time. And so I wasn't doing the indie film thing. Right. I mean, there were, I was doing indie films, but I was doing it from running a production company yeah, versus right. the freelance kind of from from seller to buyer almost right i mean it's <laughs> well i mean the production company i ran was very much like doing indies mostly oh, okay. documentaries oh, and things okay. like that um but it wasn't you know uh, it wasn't doing her movies right 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 mm-hmm. now um now when it comes to that that people seem to be drawn to a certain thing and i know you're you direct and you write and you do all these things but producing is is a strength of yours naturally sure. so um how did you know that that was something you wanted to keep i mean that that line is pretty clear ad to line producer to producer to, mm-hmm. yeah um, how do you know that how, how did you know that producing was something that's like i, I can't um you know it's something that has always kind of just come naturally to me in the sense of like uh it's always about uh i i, I like throwing parties you know i like making yeah. sure people okay. have what they need sure. i like making sure that things are uh I like I like having uh, an understanding of all aspects of what's going on sure. and b- having a say and having being part of the conversation in, in all ways and all aspects from story to budget to mm-hmm. you know distribution and uh, you know it people gets frustrating yeah. but you know like people it, don't understand that that's its own form of storytelling like le- legitimately seeing um, the logistics of it all I mean. You know, as a director, that you couldn't do what you do without a producer right. who's really constantly hammering these. Now, why be a producer, dude? <laughs> but yeah. I mean, I think it's a special thing. It's a spe- it's its own form of yeah. storytelling and its own form of putting these things together. Sure. Because you, you, I think, out of everybody on the set, has to believe in the story Ooh, months yeah. before we're even rolling a camera. So um, I think that's a very special thing. And I think it, I, I always say the producers are the the underdogs, the guys who don't get enough credit. Who, who mm-hmm. so um, so. That, that's awesome. I, I think, it, again, it's its own form of storytelling. Yeah. Um, now, in terms of the directing side of you, what, what do you feel? Did you feel like there's specific films, that specific stories that you can only tell a specific way? What, what, what drew you to that? Um, yeah, yeah I, I mean, I like I, I really like comedies is mm-hmm. one thing, you know, I like, I like making uh, interesting, quirky kind of stuff. Yeah. Uh, the first film I made is called The Living Wake. It's with Jesse Eisenberg and Jim Gaffigan and Ann Dowd. And is it mm-hmm. totally like a cult classic style film <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and it was a lot of fun and something totally different it's the sort of thing you know I like movies that week. you know people either love it or they hate it <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah you know comedy yeah. seems to be the most like stressful you want genre to, to tell I mean but you want to tell that specific story in that specific way and nobody can pull you away yeah, from that yeah, that's, yeah. that's important absolutely, that's absolutely important. you know and, and that's really so much of what it's about like I always want to make films that have something to say mm-hmm. and right. I have to like fully believe in what the purpose is of what I'm right. trying to say through the film, you know? Sure. Right. Um, and so I think that's really important. And, you know, 
the again in the collaboration element of it. Like my wife and I write together, okay. which is a exciting thing, you know. And we're yeah. actually going to be start uh, directing movies together too. Awesome, wow. which is great. And we've she was in Land of Dreams as well. She, oh, okay. She's a musician too, and she plays like the the uh, singer in the bar. Oh, okay, okay, okay. That's, yeah, that's yeah. right. Yeah, so it's yeah. uh, it's awesome. You know, it's fun to to have that collaboration in life and yeah. in art in yeah. all aspects. And then you have kids, so you have future crew that's going to be coming <laughs> on the way, right? Exactly. <laughs> True. Yeah. They tried to be on this crew, but we was we shot during pandemic, so right. like, yeah. Oh my god, it was yeah. hard to get them on the set. The unions are like, uh, yeah, no, no. no. <laughs> before we get into, yeah, yeah. Yeah. before we get into Land of Dreams, uh, which we, we have to hit on, it's opening night film, right? But yeah. Um, I'm sure you've have some stories either as a producer or director uh, with the different different actors, a different person. Now it is a collaborative front. You very much do have to hopefully get along with the people you're working with for six months, a year at a time. Oh right? man, it's more like three years. Five yeah, years. yeah, yeah. yeah. You're, you're attached. Yeah. You're people. committed. So to this. Are there some something you could? Uh, I know we don't have a ton of time, but a couple of stories you could tell us about. Hey, when I was working with Eisenberg or with Gaffigan, I mean, we love comedy, right? So, um, or just anything you know, you you um, a memory that you favor that you're like, oh man, when I was on this set, that we did a lot of this, you know. <laughs> I mean, there's like, again, every movie, there's a million yeah. stories that come out of it because it is just, you know, it's an experience. It's a challenge. Yeah, right. It's a struggle. It's a joy. It's you literally cry, laugh, sure. yeah. you know, all, all aspects of it. You that know? is true. Um, so let's see. I mean, you know, so, okay, shooting in the living wake is one. We were there. We was in Maine mm. in the late fall and it started getting cold and we're shooting cold. nights and exterior nights mm. and uh, the movie's about uh, it's, it's a living way it's, all, it's about a guy who finds out he's got this uh, degenerative disease that nobody knows anything about except for the exact moment of his death mm. which is you know sort of the specific time and so yeah. he creates his own living wake where he mm. recruits oh, all the okay, townspeople okay. to his final performance piece because he looks <laughs> at himself as this undiscovered genius artist wow. <laughs> and, uh, and so he scripts his final moment <laughs> um, and anyway, so we're shooting that whole sequence. Right. And it was freezing cold, <laughs> freezing, you know? And there's like, you know, Jim Gaffigan and Jesse. And, they, you know, they, it was it was before they were like huge, you know? Mm -hmm. But uh, but it was, uh, it, we, we were all huddled around this like campfire oh, trying to keep it. And I'm like feeling like the Pied Piper out there being like, I can't go to that campfire. I got to stay on set. <laughs> yes, I got to be the guy. Yes. It's like, everybody's like, yeah. okay, he's going to be doing it. Exactly. Doing it. Yeah. Yeah. Show, yeah. Right, yeah, yeah. And I just remember my like, fingers are going down. <laughs> Oh, my toes are going numb. And yeah. I'm like, all right, we got no more. And then I'm asking actors, can you come back tomorrow? And they're like, no, oh, I can't yeah. come back tomorrow. I was like, okay, we got to finish now. And it's yeah, going to get light in a few yeah. hours. You know. Oh, so that was just kind of like one of those moments sure. of like, oh, my God, what am I doing? Uh, it made you a better man. <laughs> I love how everybody had those experiences. Like we we were uh, shooting like a date night film, but it's like a summary date night film. But the entire time it was freezing, it was freezing. and windy and everything. Look cool. So they're like trying to look all like cute. And you acted in it. I mean, you're just like, oh, let's go and hold Action. hands. And then the second we say, <laughs> Cut, throw a jacket on both of yeah, them. Yeah, like, yeah. Huddle them around and fly. Yeah. That, yeah. <laughs> that was great, actually. In that moment, too, during one of those scenes, and my wife played one of the characters in the film, too, and she kind of goes up to any after the main character passes away, you know, yeah. spoiler alert. Mm -hmm. But uh, uh, she, like, kind of goes up and blesses them, and she plays, like, a fortune teller, and she, like, does this moment. Okay. And right as she does it, all these wolves start to howl. And it was like, <laughs> like that's oh a my God. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. Those shit. happy little accidents. Yeah, right? totally. I mean, awesome. Yeah. Uh, Land of Dreams. Yes. We, we're here, right? This is the film that's premiering tonight, or well, the, the opening night of the festival, rather. Yeah. And um, man, you got you had to get a, uh, get together this amazing cast and crew. Uh, can you talk Great a little cast. bit about what this experience was like for Land of Dreams? Yeah, sure. I mean, you know, it starts with Shireen and Shoja, and you know, they're in Hassem, and they're sort of 
passion and art and beauty and you know all mm -hmm. of this incredible energy that they have True. and that you know i we kind of reconnected and we were like let's collaborate on this together and it was the first movie she was shooting in the u.s mm. um and in english and so it was mm. kind of like a really exciting sure. for me in a lot of ways because i've filmed stuff with them all over the world and right. done different things and always yeah. most of the time the language it was in Farsi and yeah. I was always kind of like the token white guy white guy kind of like going around <laughs> on the productions with them. Right, right. But uh but um this time it was like, you know, it's a really exciting experience mm -hmm. in that way. And um, yes. you know, just COVID, you know, really was like mm -hmm. a producer's nightmare, hard, right? right? So we were, we were yeah. getting everything rolling. We came and we scouted and yeah. we were like, all right, great. We're going to put all these pieces together. Was this predominantly shot in, in New Mexico? Or all in New Mexico. All in New Mexico. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And so we were, I think it was in 2020, we had come and scouted in January. And mm -hmm. we were like, everything was rolling. And I had another movie that I was shooting in Armenia oh, in between. Wow. So I was like, I can't, I was there in pre-production and I flew over here to scout for this. Mm -hmm. And then, and the cinematographer was doing that movie with me too. And oh, we, so wow. then we both flew back to Armenia to go and do production <laughs> after we had wow. scouted here. And the idea was we we're going to go shoot there, fly back here, go right into production on this. Wow. And, uh, and then COVID hit, right? And it was day 13, I think, of the movie we were doing in Armenia. Ugh. And that, everything just went shut down. You know, yeah. like, yeah. what's going on? And I had just, I, my family was here and everything. I had to, like, get out of Armenia. Right, right. Yeah, he yeah. stayed with the director and our camera operator. Oh, man. Um, I don't know. Stayed in Armenia and waited it out. Yeah, yeah. You know? And they ended up finishing the movie in, like, July. Wow. And uh, yeah. and then by that time we were getting things up and running here. Again. For, it was like, okay, well, there's it looks like it's gonna it looks like things are gonna open up in like late yeah. August, yeah, early yeah. September. Yeah, I was looking like that, yeah. You know, and we were like, oh man, we have got to like we gotta like pull this because we know right. it's there's gonna be another wave. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. We're gonna open up and then it's gonna close again, <laughs> right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Window, like, yeah. We gotta do this. And so it just put that pressure on it. Yeah. It just made it it's like, okay, every single thing has gotta go. We're like, okay, budget. <laughs> Mm. like all aspects of it like whatever it takes whatever we got to do yeah. whatever we got in place we speak your language in that and it was regard, literally right? like you know we made the call i think like august 15th or something it's like okay we're doing it we're going <laughs> everybody <laughs> hit there now and yeah. was it it was it uh i mean because you also have to commit it's not just convincing the crew because we're always ready to go right um but it's convincing cast who who are coming out from different parts of the world For i mean sure. was it hard to get these people out and say hey we, we have the protocols we're going to be safe Let's get you out here. How, was that a challenge? I mean, part at all? yes and no. I mean, some of them, it was like absolutely. They were everybody was just stoked to be able to work. Yeah, a lot of them were. Yeah, but there was definitely some. We had to recast some characters. We, you know, and we ended up, and it was funny because we ended up coming up with the idea of casting characters like act one actor to play two parts oh, and then we okay, were like okay, oh okay. that's interesting nice. and then we did it a few more times just because we liked the idea <laughs> yeah, that right. fit with the film we're okay. like this yeah, is kind of yeah, cool yeah, you know and then like uh you know isabella rossellini was a challenge because she was supposed to be here mm -hmm. and supposed to come to new mexico to film but she was kind of like it was it was later in the production sure. and things had started to kind of pick up again and, right, COVID. Right. Mm -hmm. and so she was like i Traveling. can't go and i'm just nervous about it and mm -hmm. You know, we're like, where are we going to find another Hezbollah? So right. Like, it's really to travel to come yeah. to New Mexico. And right. I don't think we're going to find it in New Mexico. And yeah, we got to, yeah, you know. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so that was kind of one of those things of like, all right, what are we going to do? We're going to, we're going to figure this out right mm -hmm. we're not gonna not cast isabella rosalini so instead of <laughs> yeah. her being there at the party we're like she's gonna and it's covid we're all doing virtual stuff mm. like let's make her virtually here wow you know wow. and we just kind of like made that work and made that call and and in the end i think it really added to the scene it really works okay. and makes something yeah. that's those are the beautiful yes. things that just kind of like come up 
you know. Yeah, the, the problem that, solving that ends up creating a even better final product, totally, right? right? Totally. In the mentality, of like we're yeah. gonna make it work. I yeah. don't know, yeah. it's gonna work. Yeah. yeah. So that's awesome. Was, yeah. So it, there was a lot of challenges, but at the same time. So, I mean, like people like, you know, William Mosley coming from the UK right, and like right. trying to get his visa yeah. was such a challenge. Oh, and we had yeah. to, and it was all compressed. And they were like, oh no, visas are taking like three times longer than normal. And it was like, hey, but we got to get him here. And how <laughs> yeah. are we going to do this? And, and at that point, is Matt just like sitting around and like, mm, I think, I think I'm here. I'll stick around. Just let me no, know. No, this is all happening in the lead up. And like, oh, okay. all, you know, okay, like okay. it was all like William was supposed to be here like day one. And oh, it ended wow. up having to be like day four that he arrived Yikes. and to come. Yeah. You know, all this sort of stuff. It's just the challenges, you know, but, but finding, I mean, that's what producing is, right? You right. find a way through it, find a way, sure. make it happen however it can. And you try to have it be as all the challenges be as small of an influence as possible on the film right. and everybody else involved. Right. Sure. Yeah. That's, that's the challenge you never, you know, fully succeed in doing that, but <laughs> you know, um, yeah. So there was, there was quite a few challenges, many of them COVID inspired. Sure, um, sure. The journey. But but yeah, that's the journey. And and it was really fun and such an amazing thing. And and the crew was awesome. Yeah. The cast was amazing. Um and it was also wonderful because it was like this time of COVID where we're all like been locked down for months. Yeah. And yeah. then here we are in New Mexico and all of us that had traveled here, mm -hmm. right? We're being tested constantly. Sure, sure. And so it's like we can have dinner together. We can actually meet up. And like, yeah, yeah. Here we are. So it's like, great. Here's all these amazingly it. talented yeah. actors and producers and directors and cinematographers. Yeah. And, right. and we're like, all right. We're, we're, the locals, they had their families. They were like, this sure, thing. we sure. couldn't really socialize with them. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. but, the, but the people that were from out of town, we were able to have like smaller little kind of like gatherings. That's you know, that, that, wow. that we were already on the same like, you know, uh, groupings yeah sure, sure. restrictions and all that sort <laughs> right, of stuff right, right. right? So, yeah compared to everybody else that had zoom parties right, because right, yeah. we couldn't have that yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. so that's awesome that's yeah, awesome yeah. i mean it's you, you obviously produce this, this amazing uh, film and and i think it's it's got that special you're going to be able to look back and say yeah these challenges were this but we yeah. got this amazing work product out of it, this yeah. product out yeah. of it. Yeah. um We've taken too much of your time, but yeah. the, if there's anything we can uh, we can ask is we, we always like to ask our, our guests, is there anything you could say, advice, some type of inspiration for the next wave of storytellers, anything that you've learned along your journey that you could say, this is what you got to do if you want to get into this? Yeah, sure. I mean, um, you know, always follow the stories that inspire you. That's mm -hmm. the simple, easy one. Absolutely. And the you know, thing I always like to tell the young filmmakers is like, look, if you're getting into this because you think it's something you like and you think it's going to be cool and you think it's going to be fun, Go do something else <laughs> yeah. because you That's need to, real. you need to like, you only want to do this. If this is something you have to do, right. you're willing to get beat up, knocked down, yeah. rejected every single day yeah. for years sometimes yeah. and still get up and keep going and keep doing it. Yeah. And that's the only way you can do it because, you know, it's 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 torture. Yeah. A lot of times it's torture, oh, yeah. but it's worth it if yeah. you have to do it, yeah. you know? If it keeps you up at night. Yeah. There's a story and just keep going, keep going, keep going, keep going, keep going, you know? Keep going, like, keep going. yeah. Yeah, it's, it's going to happen. It'll work. Don't stop. Yeah. Awesome. Beautiful. That's yeah. beautiful. Thank you so much. I want to yeah. run right now, dude. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Thank you so much for your time. Yeah, thank you guys. Yeah. Pleasure to be here. You have an amazing, amazing, amazing body so work. So, so we can't wait for the next thing, and, and hopefully we'll see that Absolutely. soon. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. So oh, and check out my, yeah, my next one, Amerikasi, the one I was shooting in Armenia at the Amerikasi. time. It's coming out in theaters in September across the nice. country. Nice. Amerikasi. Yeah, check yeah, it out. We've had the awesome Soul Trying on the Tower cast. Okay, so stay tuned. We have a lot of amazing guests uh, um, in this series for the Las Cruces International Film Festival, and thanks so much for talking to us. Awesome. Thank you, guys. Appreciate it.
Welcome back to the TowerCast podcast, the Tower podcast for El Paso and the world. Filmmakers all over the world, we'd love to talk to you guys. And uh, we're at the Las Cruces International Film Festival having a great time. Uh, we're sticking around because there's too many amazing guests that we get to talk to. I'll introduce the special guest for this specific episode in a minute. I got to introduce my fellow co-host, Mr. Michael Delau. Excited to be back again. And Mr. John Eric Osterdal. I just can't wait to talk to you. <laughs> <laughs> um, and thank you to Austin, making sure we're sounding good out there, our producer editor. Um, and obviously, you all, you all know who I am, hopefully, is Carlos Altorra. I'm your humble, humble film servant and uh, offering a writing, directing perspective, cinematography perspective, acting perspective here. Um, okay. We have an awesome guest. Now, um, for film festivals like this that are a little tend to be a little more intimate, uh, we don't get that many great people like like our special guest um he's done an amazing body of work and and we, we're gonna be excited to talk to him we have mr michael brook and he's been the composer for uh, land of dreams which is the opening night film for the festival but i mean we're talking the fighter we're talking heat uh Tallulah, which is a film that i really love and just a number of other projects that he's he's been the composer for that have been amazing michael thanks so much for joining us my total pleasure. Thank <laughs> awesome. Dude, all our composer fans are like, no. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> our our, our in-house composer is probably like, no. Uh, but but thank you so much for, for joining us. Um, and the perks of being a waffler. We're going to talk about that too. But we'll get there. We'll get Easy, there. Man. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, it's very exciting, especially just on the indie front. These are indie gems yeah. that people don't remember all that much. Um, but um, we always like to kick off with our guests. What made you want to become a storyteller? Music. I'm a musician. I yeah. know this. <clears throat> music is storytelling, mm -hmm. hands down. Um, and music and cinema carry so much weight. So Beautiful. tell us about uh, what made you want to become a storyteller? Well, I wanted to be a musician. Mm -hmm. um, and then I and I used to do albums and produce other people. Okay. Mm -hmm. um, I did uh, <clears throat> a lot of work for a, a a label in England called Real World. Okay. Real it World. does like uh, cross-cultural fusion type things. So okay. I work with people from Pakistan, India, uh, Italy, wow. Senegal, um, Tanzania. Mm, wow. and, <clears throat> and then my own music was like I'm a guitar player. Okay. Not so much of one now. But anyway. <laughs> what style? What was your style of guitar? Well... It's a bit hard to say. Um, kind of influenced by like Ennio Morricone, the of course. guitar. Yeah, of course. Um, the late great. Yeah. <laughs> and I like that a lot. And then I was interested, or I, I connected with sort of Indian music in some ways. So okay. we just did a, a the Apu trilogy on our other podcast in Sayaji Ray. Just it, it, the music is something we talked about a lot. Yeah. So absolutely. And so I, I was doing that. I moved to England from Canada to do that. Okay. Uh, and then uh, always wanted to live in America. Okay. And then came here. Where did you grow up? Specifically uh, in Canada? Toronto. Okay, yeah. Toronto. <clears throat> um, and then uh, the kind of music world I was in sort of went away mm. in the early 90s. It, it wasn't possible to earn a living anymore. Sure. Yeah. And I had always wanted to do film music, but and I had done a couple of films. Okay. But it, it just this natural transition happened mm. away from album stuff or producing and into um, uh, more scoring. And so it wasn't like a it wasn't a strategic choice or mm. anything. It just happened. 
would you say was the first film? I mean, you had done a couple of films and you had an idea, but what would you say was the first film that you said, I could do this and I love doing this? What, what, was there a specific film that you thought this is the next step? Well, actually, the first one I worked on was like that. Which um, was, what was the film? <clears throat> Sorry, I got a scratchy throat. No, you um, it was called Hero Heroin? No, they changed the name. It was with um, uh, The Edge from U2. Oh, wow. And okay. we did the score. I think they changed the Captive. They, captive. Captive. Yeah. Okay. Captive. Captive. Yeah. Wow. And that was the first score I'd ever worked on. Oh, wow. And we had no idea what we were doing. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I, I had always thought I would like, because I'm not a singer. Mm. And so I always thought, well, that's another place where people who make up music with instruments. Right. Absolutely. absolutely. It's a voice of its own. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, wow. That's amazing. I mean, it's it's one of those things that, uh, like you say, it becomes natural because you're, as artists, we're, uh, the term is starving artists, right? We're always mm -hmm. looking to make a living. Yeah. Uh, but at the same time, you want to do it in the field yeah. you love. So for yeah. you to naturally be attracted to film, uh, that's amazing. Now, you talk a little bit about insp inspiration from Ennio Morricone. Was there a specific, I know, Kassar, I'm going to your question, but is there a specific film or a specific director, a specific composer that you were like, I love this. This is really what I want to do. Uh, would you say that there's somebody that inspired you in that regard? That wasn't quite the process, but um, like I, I listened to Morricone before I ever thought about doing music mm -hmm. for films, okay. and I, I thought his music was magic. Um, Tarantino <clears throat> likes to say, I think Ennio Morricone is not just the best film composer, but the best composer, period, music, period. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and I think people listen to his scores and, and think that this is this is amazing. Yeah, yeah I mean, it, it. and I sort of got interested in it. Pure. I mean, I had seen a lot of the movies, but mm -hmm. I would just listen to it as music. And that's actually rare that, right. that oh. film score works as music, yeah, I yeah. think. Mm -hmm. and, mm -hmm. and that's no criticism. Of scores that don't work as music, right, right. they can still yeah, yeah. contribute. Inform. <clears throat> I wanted to ask, um, coming from a musician world where you're creating albums, you're creating your own sound, and then transitioning into like film scoring where you're taking another piece of art, you know, the script, and then trying to find the best way to give that tone. I mean, did you see that as a challenge or did you enjoy that transition trying out <clears throat> um, giving art and life to something that was already kind of there? Yes. Hmm. <laughs> Long story no, short. <laughs> it's the thing that I like about film a lot is there, it, and and people I think um, ha, are uh, if you don't accept that it's a really collaborative process, mm -hmm. it it's difficult. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's difficult anyway. But <clears throat> um, if what I love and 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 is that I'll work with a director who has lots of ideas about what the emotions should be mm -hmm. that or what emotions the score should focus on mm -hmm. because often there's more than one in yes. a scene. It's highlighting specific yeah. Beats, emotions. Right? Yeah. yeah. Well, and themes and, and also, okay, there's three things happening in the scene. Which mm -hmm. one do we want the score <laughs> to kind of bring a spotlight to? Sure, right? sure. Right, right. And for me, it's quite honestly, I hate doing music by myself. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and so... <clears throat> working with directors who really have often, often they, you know, they spend a lot of time thinking about what's supposed to be going on here Absolutely. emotionally. Yeah. Um, it's uh, it's a rewarding collaboration. 
Mm. And uh, that's one of the things I like it about, about it the most. Just that bridge, right? Yeah, absolutely. I, I couldn't I like agree that. more. I mean, it, it's most people that aren't in cruise or in cast will say that, but it's awesome to hear from somebody, a composer, say, True. like, this is extremely collaborative, despite the fact that we're in a, a quiet room two months after rapping and yeah. then just working with, with two people or three people. Uh, and then you going off with your group of musicians and saying, this is what it is. Yeah. Uh, so that's, that's very special to hear from somebody uh, like you. Uh, now in that, in that line, um, in that vein of working with these eccentric directors who have a lot of <laughs> ideas, you got to work with Sean Penn mm -hmm. on Into the Wild. And Emil Hirsch is, is obviously the lead and this is based on a true story and it's yeah. very emotional and it's a very heavy film and the score has to reflect a lot of this. Uh, can yes, you talk a little does. bit about Into the Wild and, and kind of that, that experience? Uh, well, what happened on that was um, the, the picture editor who I had worked with before, Jay Cassidy, was, mm -hmm. was editing that and he had Tempt it with quite a bit of my music. Okay. And then... Um, just for beats, just to get the... the, the well, and... Assembly, or the assembly. Kind of look for the vibe and, mm -hmm. you know, what the flavor. Sure, yeah. sure. And so... Uh, and he tried different things. And generally, mm -hmm. Sean, on average, responded positively to my stuff. Oh, okay. Good. So, so then Sean said, do you want to get involved? Hmm. And um, this was after the film had already been wrapped. If we're talking about the oh, yeah, yeah, oh, yeah, wow. Yeah. Well, they did some reshoots, but oh, okay, yeah, essentially, because a lot of the times the the composer hopefully gets involved with the script and says, This is the, let's start working on the music at that point, right? So that has uh never happened to me, never happened to you. No. Wow, wow, uh, wow, that's that's I think it's partly because, well, you you know how difficult it is to get a film made, yeah, and so <laughs> the director producers they're dealing with money mm -hmm. actors mm -hmm. sets location script right they got to get all that done and so it you know it's a 25 hour a day job <laughs> and so they're not thinking about anything they don't have to think sure, about sure. at that minute yeah, yeah that's a good yeah. point and that's so good. when they wrap then they say well i guess we're going to need some music mm -hmm. um generally and well, yeah. certainly in in my experience now, I mean, though, though, Into the Wild is something uh, you, a composer, much like a cinematographer to a certain degree, editors, they have to adapt to the different the different personalities. Right. Mm -hmm. um, I love David O. Russell and, mm -hmm. and you did the fighter. Mm -hmm. Now, that's a different director. I think different temperaments <laughs> as yep. an example. And I know there's a lot of films in between. Don't get me wrong, but right, just right. To, to pinpoint specifically. Um, and, and you got to work on that. Uh, by by definition, a sports film <laughs> to a certain degree, but it carried so much yeah. more emotion than that, right? Right. So, what was I actually? I'm not sure it is a sports film. Yeah, I, I mean, say, I mean, yeah. it's, the couple it, matches. In there's sports in it, <laughs> yeah, exactly. yeah. But it, anyway, no, yeah. 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 <laughs> my, my point being, um, yeah. it, it, it's a different it's a different experience right. entirely, right? So, right. Uh, um, what was that experience like for you for, on on a picture like that? Well, the the I. My experience was good, um, partly because I think David benefits from um, a reduced number of options. Oh, okay. And so, as opposed to saying this is the well, broad spread, he, he'd spectrum. already had um, he'd already worked with another composer, and that hadn't oh, worked out, and they were running out of time. Mm -hmm. And so, and I did I didn't quite know that whole story when I got involved. True, but I think. Um, I think 
in retrospect, mm-hmm. my experience was was pretty good, um, partly because decisions had to be made, right? And right. you couldn't explore, you know, nine hundred nine options as as much as that that people think that that's the desire. Is, oh, we had we spent six months on just picking. <laughs> that's this the last one. thing I ever wanted. <laughs> yeah, to do. yeah. yeah. <clears throat> you like to have a specific. I mean, you like to see the picture, the rough cut, whatever, and say this is this is what I feel based on your emotions, and you're able to collaborate with the director on that front, correct? Or you know, it's. It's more a, a kind of listening process mm. um, that usually, you know, that sometimes I'll, I'll work also with the picture editor quite a bit. Sure. Right. So they've they've been on the film minimum two years usually, right, right. Like, or more. So they know way more about it than I ever will. Mm-hmm. And so to a certain degree, my job is to listen to them. Right. Kind of like get caught up or what do you mean? Say again? Kind of like get caught up or just listen? No, no, it's more that they, um, how, to, how to express it. Um, they, they know that oh, they have a lot of depth in their understanding mm-hmm. of the story mm-hmm. and what emotional things need to happen. Mm-hmm. Okay. And, you know, if, when, whenever I see a film, I, I mean, I, it can easily go musically three or four ways or, yeah. or, or more, you know, uh-huh. and none of them will be wrong. Mm-hmm. But Oof. so my job generally is to listen to the, the filmmakers uh-huh. and say, okay, where, what are we trying to do here? Because sometimes it's not completely clear mm-hmm. at the time. Right. And so I need direction. And sure. it, it's a little bit in some ways like, you know, um, Composers in the past, they used to have a patron, and the patron would say, or painters, mm-hmm. you know, and the patron would say, "Hey, write a mass for my daughter on Sunday." This is the commission. You know? <laughs> this is the assignment. The this yeah. is the gig. And <laughs> being a composer for film is definitely not just making up music. Mm-hmm. It's it's trying to find out what people are trying to achieve emotionally, sure. and and sometimes. They might even have opinion, more specific opinions about what the the, the music should be. And so mm-hmm. it's trying to enact their vision of what needs to happen, mm. whether it's only emotionally or whether it's sometimes also right. uh, specifically there are specific musical mm-hmm. elements they want to happen. But I love how linear kind of you're, you're saying because it's it's far from a linear process per se. It, it, mm-hmm. it is yeah. artistic. At the end of the day, it has there has the arts have to be in there. But um, I love how linear you paint something for the filmmakers to say, I need your direction, and then we'll go from there, and this is the process. Because yeah. a lot of composers will um, will say, I need my freedom, and I need to express this, yeah. that, and the third. But in your case, it's been like, assignment, please, direction, please, let me get into to, the, to my degree, work. To a degree, but l- yeah. <laughs> let, me, let, me, let me fill that in a bit. Yeah. What, what I like to do is see the film, talk to people, mm-hmm. and then just go away by myself for ideally like a month or so Mm. and just mess around. Mm -hmm. Like I'm not trying to achieve anything. Mm -hmm. I'm just immersing myself in what I understand is the kind of emotional vibe of the film. And so I come up with a lot of ideas. They're, they're short, simple ideas. And then um, if, if the director wants to collaborate in that process, say, which, which Sean did say, 
here's a whole bunch of things. Mm -hmm. Of course, 90% of them are going to be wrong. But this is a way to both uh, enhance our, our conversation about what to do mm -hmm. and make it specific because talking about music is kind of meaningless mm -hmm. on certain <laughs> levels. Um, so you can point to something and say, right. I like this, what this is doing. Mm -hmm. um, but it also allows, and this is the thing I learned from Jay Cassidy, the picture editor, that it, in his opinion, and I, I agree, and it, it doesn't always work out, but mm -hmm. it's better to not have completely specific goals mm. and richer connections happen that are maybe not exactly conscious. So sure, sure. you're not, I'm not aiming to make this feel sad. Mm -hmm. It's more like, oh, we got 40 ideas here. Let's just throw them up against picture. Yeah. And all of a sudden this one makes the performance of the actor all right, of a sudden there's right. another depth to it that we didn't, none of us knew was there. <laughs> I love that because a lot of these, I mean, I think it's safe to say that a lot of the pictures that you've worked on are what we consider these like indie darlings that people mm -hmm. are kind of, you know, diamonds in the rough. People don't remember picking up on perks of being a wallflower. Another, another example, like it doesn't feel sad. It doesn't yeah. feel like it's, it feels like fishes and it feels like, uh, these these specific characters have to live a certain life a certain way and the music is informing that mm -hmm. um, I think that's really special mm -hmm. it's a really special approach because it, like you say it enhances the storytelling altogether yeah I, I, I like it I like films I mean I like popcorn movies you know mm -hmm. where what whatever you see on the screen that's what it is mm -hmm. um, <clears throat> I like watching them but in terms of the things I like to work on, it's where there's, there's complex emotional things going sure, on sure. and Same. there's more than one emotion Same. and there's like, not and not even necessarily in conflict. Right. It's like, like in Brooklyn, there were a lot <sighs> of pictures. emotional threads mm -hmm. through that. Some were sad, some were s celebratory you have to match and, those amazing performances. because Saoirse Ronan is an amazing amazing I mean, actress yeah, and yeah. To what planet is she from yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, she's absolutely. so talented yeah. absolutely um, I'd love to focus <clears throat> a little bit on, on a picture that we were talking just just before we rolled about Tallulah because uh, again it's one of those films that didn't get a ton of attention and Oddly enough, uh, uh, her next picture, one of her next pictures would be Coda, Academy Award winning mm -hmm. film, yeah. uh, the director, writer, director. I mean, and, uh, but Tallulah was this very special picture to me. And again, I, we were enveloped in this, I'd like to call kind of a, a second renaissance of indie pictures and people mm -hmm. were paying attention more. It was right before the massive streaming bubble. Yeah. Although yeah. Tallulah was a Netflix film, yeah. that kind of got lost in the weeds. So um, can you tell me a little bit about your experience there? Because uh, again, collaborative with the director, writer, she, she seems like a terrific collaborator, but yeah. well, can you tell me a little bit of, of, of that experience? Well, um, yeah, I had done a little, just when Sean was starting to make films, Sean Hedder, mm -hmm. um, uh, a short with her oh, and, okay. and we just knew each other socially and she said oh can you help me and we did and then she said do you want to maybe score this film i'm working on mm. this feature i'm doing was it her, i think it was her first feature if i'm not mistaken yeah i think it was yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah and um you know totally up my street <laughs> really. <laughs> right. emotionally yeah, yeah absolutely yeah, yeah. absolutely yeah um, i see that <clears throat> i see that through line and um and subsequently we we worked on uh, an Apple series called Little America. Oh, that's right. Where America. she's the 
one of the showrunners, and it's it, that. So that process has continued. Wow. Um, in terms of that specific film, um, I'm not sure if I can. I'm not sure if I have anything specific. I'm trying to think. Um, or was it more of kind of, I mean, I know you, you worked and you know, knew each other socially and had a, a relationship there, but was it more of a, an assignment to a certain degree? Like you said, it was more of a, this is what the picture is and this is where we're at. Or, no, no. Sounds it, like you got involved in the process pretty early on, on that one. No, or? Um, no, it was, they were in post. Same thing in post. Yeah. Okay. yeah. Um, no, it was still a process of it, of exploration. Sure. Um, and, uh, I really enjoy, uh, collaborating with Sean, mm-hmm. um, and in some ways, the, the directors I like most working with are often the most, they feel uncomfortable about music. Mm. And in a way, it's not like I, because then I'm comfortable because I work in the music realm. It's right. more that if they don't talk about music, that's better. Like I just uh, like I want to know what are we aiming for emotionally. Do you feel like it loses? It yeah. loses. It, it gives you. It throws you off track a little bit to say this is the score from this picture from the fifties that I really want to emulate, or this is yeah. the soundtrack it throws you off yeah, instead yeah. of like this is the emotion I mean, of the picture. Well, there can be a good temp can help. Okay. You know, sometimes references are okay. Yeah, but um, I think uh, often the the directors who I I think is we have the the most fruitful collaborations um it's it's where they it's not that they say i don't know anything about music Mm. you deal with it it's (laughs) it's more um i don't feel articulate in this world but let's have a conversation and that conversation where again i throw lots of pieces of music at them right um to me, that's a really re- rewarding process. Sure. Uh, I, I love Sean here. I, I got to see her at Adobe Max in, in L.A. Uh, last year. And and just I, I feel like she's, again, kind of barely getting started in terms of the features and doing mm-hmm. very well. Uh, but she's a very unique voice. And, and mm-hmm. I'd love to ask you about working with Alan Yang because that one, Tiger Tell, because He's a fresh new voice mm-hmm. and has been doing great things. Like I love Master of None for one. I know he's one of the Oh uh, yeah, I think it's great. <laughs> and, uh, but you got to work with him on Tiger Tail. Yeah. Again, very unique perspective, very unique voice. Uh, Asian leads, Asian director, writer. I mean everything, but it's it's very specific. Yeah. Um, was that the same case working with Alan in terms of collaboration or? Well, there it was a little different in that Alan's like an really quite an accomplished musician <laughs> yeah. and um and so the character who like is the musician in the film mm-hmm. it's kind of him and uh i think there there was a real challenge in that and this is a a, a lot of composers have experienced this that the temp was kind of perfect oh and so it, it's it's hard yeah you know if, <laughs> if yeah like ideally some films they should just go with the temp like yeah. 2001 <laughs> you know like there was all that uh there was the alex north score mm-hmm. that yeah kubrick just threw just out and, and just you you know <laughs> used all the the needle drops which and i i've heard the score mm-hmm. and kubrick in a very obnoxious way made the right decision, yeah. I, I, I think. 
Uh, absolutely. Uh, so that was the case in, in Well, no, no, it, not that, but it, it was that. Also, it's a very emotionally, on a certain level, delicate film. Mm. And so yeah. it was like, it was such a balancing act, like, okay, three notes, four is too many, but, you know, <laughs> sure, you know it was like really find it, trying to find where that like sweet spot was, right. was very challenging on I that see. film. And um, I, I think we all ended up feeling pretty good about it, sure. but some, some are hard. Yeah, of course. You know. A couple more things before we, we touch on Land of Dreams, but uh, just a couple of things that you contributed on the soundtrack side, I should mm -hmm. say, right, as a performer, to mm -hmm. a degree, a ranger, um, you got to work on films like Heat mm -hmm. and, and uh, Any Given Sunday. Any given you Sunday. know, so w w tell us a little bit about, you weren't the sole composer per se, but you were That's contributing right, to these very specific, I mean, these films are legend now, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, can you tell us a little bit about that side of, of the music? Well, for Heat, um, Michael Mann said, and I had never really done any film. Mm, I didn't know how it worked. So yeah. This was right before <clears throat> the so transition. I'd done an IMAX film, but like a documentary. And mm. so he said, oh, uh, I like this piece of yours. Do you want to do some music? And they sent me wow. some scenes. But I didn't even know how to read the time code. I thought... <laughs> Man, they want 40 minutes of music here. <laughs> but they didn't, I mean, they, they, you spoke directly to Michael in this case, as opposed to a music supervisor or a composer. This was you saying, hey, I like your piece. Can you contribute something? Yeah. Which yeah. usually isn't the case, right? Uh, well, no, usually I deal with the director. With directors specifically. Yeah. Okay. yeah. Okay. Um, and, but I had no idea how about how that whole in thing that case, worked yeah. at mm -hmm. all. So. Then he said, well, come down to L.A. and because I was in Northern California and work on, on this. Right. So I did. And uh, in many ways, it was kind of a nightmare because. <laughs> also. Well, the, partly the technology that mm. I would. I can see it. I was in a studio in L.A. Mm -hmm. I would work on something. I would send them, I think, a, like a cassette. Mm. And. Three days later, he would say, well, can you make it more street or, or something <laughs> like that? But by that time, you know, it was a completely analog sure, studio. So we could time. not take us a day to get back to where, yeah. or, and we never got perfectly it's back like to that. It's like dailies with film, right? I mean, it's processing, it's yeah. waiting. Right, 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 right. So ultimately, I did some cues, and none of them ended up in the film. Really? And... He and he had also. I, did, I didn't know, and I didn't even know. Like, am I hired as a composer? And it wasn't that I didn't know. I didn't even think that thought. Wow. Yeah. Um, so he, so he had like five or six composers working mm -hmm. on it, um, which is <laughs> you know, that's his prerogative. Yeah. But um, it made for a sort of, I mean, I was kind of oblivious to that side of it. Mm -hmm. But it was just like I, I would work on some music. And, you know, have very brief conversations with him. Right. So That could also be very discouraging, though, no? Specifically in that, that stage in your career where you didn't even know if you wanted to pursue mu uh, music and cinema. Um, 
most people listening are probably like, I would have been done there. My film, my, my music didn't make the cut or it may have ended up being in the soundtrack afterwards, that type of thing. But what, what did you feel at that point? I mean, well, that well could be ultim very ultimately, a piece from one of my albums was a pretty prominent part of the film. So that kind of worked out. Okay. And it was like, well, I don't know how to score, but <laughs> I can make music that people put in good films. Right. Yeah. Um, I so, talk about motif all the time when we're scoring or we're getting ready to do something or, or noticing on a picture so that yeah. you feel like that specific moment was this motif informed a lot of the film. Um, well, I, I'm sort of conflicted about the concept of a motif, okay. quite honestly. Um, it seems like at the beginning of the process, we often talk about that, mm -hmm. the, like with the people I'm working with. And as things go on, in my experience, and I know there are films where there's like a major theme that just kind of right. comes through or a character yeah. theme. Yeah. But the kind of things I tend to be involved in, usually throughout the process, it becomes, well, yes, this is this person's scene mm -hmm. but now it's changed so we can't use the theme that we had <laughs> yeah, at the beginning yeah. and so by the end of the day often the concept of the theme has kind of gone away a bit sure, sure. they have to uh, go through their character arc so naturally the music has to follow yeah, yeah. yeah and and i think it's also in some styles of film mm -hmm. um it, it's a more uh useful concept sure mm -hmm. um but I go along with it. Sure, sure, sure. <laughs> oh, no, you're absolutely right. I mean, one of my favorite films of all time is The, Mo the Morning You're in La La Land, and, and they, Justin Hurwitz absolutely uses motif, but it is a musical after all, right? Yeah. And these two characters are very yeah. central. So yeah. um, I agree. I think it needs to be used for specific things at specific moments. But that's that's great perspective. Was it the same case with Oliver Stone on, on any given Oh, uh, no, I, I, <laughs> I really had nothing to do with, with that. Really? Uh, they just licensed a piece I had done. I see. Oh, okay. I think I met with him and the music supervisor, um, but kind of nothing seemed to happen from that meeting. And then they oh, just wow. ended up licensing the piece. Oh, wow. Of an okay. album. I mean, I that's a little on. easier of a process, right? <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> that's not a yeah. bad thing to say. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Now, if we can get to Land of Dreams, right? Yeah. Because this is, this is what you're here for. Yeah. Um, what, what was the experience on Land of Dreams? It's a very heavy film, very heavy subjects, and, and good cast. Yeah, and the score obviously. Is Were there any new challenges to, I guess, this one compared to your other films? Yeah. Um. And if the answer is no, that's okay too. Yeah, no, no, I'm doing I'm, this I'm, a long time, and I'm not yeah, hesitating because I want. I don't want to say no. I'm just trying to think. Yeah. yeah. Um, I think part of the challenge was how how dark should the music go? Because mm -hmm. there's and and also there's a kind of surreal element, a dreamy element yeah, of the, of the film, and um, it it was an enjoyable challenge. Like mm. fi again, finding the sweet spot, which yeah, is often right. what it is. Sure, sure, it's like yeah, this yeah. is to that, this is to that. Okay, now now we found it. Um, but it was, a. I mean, I just love working with Shireen because mm -hmm. yeah. she's really is an artist mm -hmm. and, um, and film is kind of one of her outlets. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think it was, I kind of connected with that a mm -hmm. lot. Mm -hmm. So, uh, it was like a, a really great 
process. Is there a point in time when you're writing music and you have like an aha moment where you feel like this really fits it and you can't see it going any other way, but you have to work with a director that completely disagrees and you have to sacrifice that? Or do you feel like when you've written something or done something and you truly believe in it, then you're fighting gun home? I hardly ever fight Um, because I know I'm never going to (laughs) win. That's what you learned. (laughs) Well, it's kind of like it's the director's baby. Yeah. And sometimes I think they're wrong. Mm -hmm. And often I really learn from them. Mm. Um, And I'll think something. And it actually doesn't happen a lot, but it has happened where I'll go, I think this is killing it. And and it's fantastic. Okay. And and they'll say, Yeah, but it's not doing blah. And I'll go, Oh, yeah. Right. I, I, uh, yeah. I ask that because, you know, in every uh, aspect of the, the creative process, um, especially like me, uh, on a cinematography perspective, going towards you, director, we've done films and, and there'll be times where I'll either fight for a shot because I can see the, <laughs> yeah. the merit in it from my perspective and you're like, no, that doesn't work or vice versa. You'll say like, no, I need you to shoot it this way. And ultimately, you know, director has the last word, but um, it's interesting that you say that you don't really fight because you know what it's going to end up to be, but there's always that little challenge. There's always uh, the beautiful collaboration of pushing back on each other and, and seeing how, each person's going to put in their own input to create the final product. That but I'm it's like two divorced parents, right? Like you have to get the, it's whatever's best for the child yeah. type of yeah. thing. Like, well, you know. no, that's true. Yes. And, but, but also it's often not exactly an adversarial process. Absolutely. Like I, I, I've definitely experienced it where the director was really surprised by what happened musically right. and, and liked it. Yeah. Um, yeah. But in terms of like, trying to change their mind and don't try that very much um and i don't mean in a resigned way just that you just never felt the need right to like go and push back well it's it's their call so yeah it's kind of like i can give them a menu Mm -hmm. but (laughs) that's good ultimately they choose what they they want to eat you know (laughs) you could tell them this is the best of the day yeah that's fantastic fantastic perspective michael i mean I, i think we could spend hours talking about this, but I know we have, we, we gotta, <laughs> I got to get rid of some other people. Yeah. Yeah. Just we're, a little we're getting bit. tired. Yeah. Um, sorry. You have, yeah, yeah. I got just had a question just as a, like an audience member, which is one that you really hold close to your heart from your, from his work, from no, his work. From your work. And then second, since you're, you used to play guitar since you were little, I know you were in a band. Yeah. <laughs> or what was you. your, what was your first band name? Oh, uh, just taking you back to those times. Well, the first one I remember. Yeah, your first. And was, it's always was, a- was in with a, a friend from high school, and uh, he he went to art school. Okay. And had uh, there was this really beautiful girl he went to school with that we all had a crush on, okay. and and she's a Pol- Polish girl, mm-hmm. and so uh, her name was Irene Stabelko, and so. We, we decided, somewhat tongue-in-cheek, but also because we had a crush on this girl, <laughs> to call it the Irene Stabelko Blues Band. Wow! <laughs> <laughs> That's beautiful. Awesome. And now a, a film or, or a project of yours that you feel like you just you just always go back to or, or something that you, you hold dear to your heart? 
either you felt like you took it to the next level on this one? Or? Well, it, it's like, who's your favorite kid? Yeah. <laughs> I know, um, I know. But I, I have to say that the process on, um, on Brooklyn, Brooklyn was the one where I, I think I gained the most from the process. Mm -hmm. um, because the, the, terrific picture. the director had this unbelievably detailed emotional map wow. of every scene, like every three or four mm -hmm. seconds <laughs> that I had never encountered mm -hmm. thinking like that. I'm more like, what's the vibe? Let's, okay, this goes That's here. Yeah, yeah. And then there's like, okay, we need to respond to that. But his was more like, no, when she looks away, she's like thinking I'm never going to come back and we and and then when she does this you know and that was really hard mm -hmm. like um it, it was a difficult process and i thought i was going to get fired oh, wow. it, it was like really really challenging Intense, yeah. but for me that's maybe one of the films i kind of i came out the other end mm -hmm. uh like what doesn't kill you makes you stronger sure, type, sure, type sure, thing really. and um so in that sense I think the process, the changes I went through making that were maybe some of the biggest on that film. Beautiful. Wow, beautiful. Awesome. It's a terrific picture, but we haven't seen it. But uh, last question uh, for you, Michael, and thank you. You've given us way too yeah, much time. Yeah, we appreciate it. But um, are, is there any advice you can give to storytellers out there? Young Be it composers, composers yeah. directors, writers, any, anybody who you feel um, to all your what you've learned fans. on your journey. Yeah. Well, for well, two things. Yeah, yeah. One is um, get the script right. Hmm. Make sure it makes sense, okay. and run it by everybody you can <laughs> to find issues. Hmm. And because your your film is going to be better, and your process is going to be more enjoyable. Yeah, yeah. Hmm. And sure, be open to things that happen in real time, like happy accidents. Happy accidents. For sure. But have a really solid plan, mm -hmm. I think, is, is so important. So much uh, drama behind the scenes happens sure. because, for various reasons, not necessarily incompetence, like, oh, yeah, but yeah. compromises or whatever, right, right. that didn't happen. And it's so hard for people to... Uh, catch up mm -hmm. if, if mm -hmm. for on that level sure, right, right. and so like not it's 90 percent preparation mm -hmm, mm -hmm. i think yeah, so get it so it, everybody agrees wow we're done you know <laughs> yeah, then right. go shoot it yeah, like shoot alfred it. hitchcock you know right. yeah. um and then for composers i mean there are different styles but mm -hmm. but for me it's it's a thousand percent the emotion mm what instrument it is, what style of music is very secondary. And, mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. that's not for all styles of film. Right. Um, but for me, if you, if you sort of zero in on what are we trying to do emotionally, mm -hmm. then it's kind of easy. And also it's easy to know if you're doing it or not doing it, sure. which I think is also a big challenge. Is important this working? I don't know. Yeah. I've seen it a thousand times. Mm. You know? yeah. Important to discern <clears throat> yeah. at that stage. Yeah. Amazing. You heard it here on the Towercast podcast. This is an amazing perspective on the amazing composer. 
Uh, Michael, thank you so much for everything that you've offered. Real yeah. pleasure. And uh, stay tuned. We're, we're talking to a bunch of great people uh, in addition to, to Michael here at the Las Cruces International Film Festival. Uh, thank you guys for, for sticking around and, and go check out his work because it's amazing. I'm sure there's way more coming. Uh, so thank you guys so much. Thank you, Michael. Appreciate you. Thank you.